Progressive Gentleman Podcast, ladies and gentlemen. We are your hosts. I'm Dan. I'm Matt. And as always, thank you for the support and for tuning in to listen to us nerd out about music. Uh, man your battle stations, call your mother, whatever you got to do, because we got a special one for you today. (laughs) (laughs) If you have listened to the show before, you know that we're slight fans of Coed and Cambria. Would you say just a little bit? We may have talked about them once or twice. Just, just once or twice. Um, but, uh, we figured because of how often we've talked about them, we might as well give them like their own episode and try to just purge it from our system. (laughs) It's not going to happen, but it's definitely not at least attempt. I still am making it my, my life's goal to include Coheed in every single episode. Spread Uh, the good word. (laughs) But, um, we figure they just dropped a new record, uh, Vaxxus 2, A Window of the Waking Mind. If you've not checked that out, definitely do that. But, um... We figure it's a good time to maybe have this episode and sort of include, uh, you know, a discussion about their entire discography, talk about their background a little bit, but also put in a album review of the new record towards the end. We yeah. we, we did put a poll up um, and basically <laughs> it was like, oh, do you want us to do a separate album review episode or do you want us to just do one big, massive Coheed episode um, and the latter kind of won in that poll? So I didn't actually get to look at the results. <laughs> I saw that you posted it, but I wasn't sure what the, yeah, the outcome was. I think, so. I think it was like 63% of people. Who oh, wow. Voted so said nice, just do a good one majority. Big, yeah. So, um, and we didn't, we didn't vote in our own poll in that one. So that was all. <laughs> <laughs> Usually we have an opinion and we're just like, oh, let's see what everyone wants. But also this is what we would rather have happen. But, yeah. It gives us um, our own like. Yeah. Mm, but in, but kinda. in this instance, I feel like it was kind of just a, uh, you know, we didn't care one way or the other. We, we saw, we saw benefits in for both, but, yeah. um, but yeah, so this is the route we, we are going. We're going to do one big episode. Uh, I think we're going to talk a little bit about the band's background. Um, we're, we're going to try to avoid, cause there's just so much substance, right? Yeah. We don't I mean, want to make it like a four hour episode. Right. So. They got, you know, they have 10 full length records. They have, a bunch of side projects that we could dive into. Obviously we could dive into the concept, the Amory Wars, the, <laughs> yeah. the, the Afterman sort of storyline. We could dive into the new Vaxis storyline, you know, all, all the different nuances that come with <laughs> having a band that's essentially based in an entire universe. Um, but I think for benefits of time and just, trying to get people to actually want to listen to this entire thing. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we got to make probably, it a little more concise. Yeah, probably better to probably better to keep that lower uh, you know, not not talk about that stuff as much and sort of focus on the music yeah. more than anything. I'm sure some of that stuff will probably come up while we're discussing the music, but um that's not the focal point here. We kind of want to try to focus on the music aspect of it, but I am a huge Coheed nerd. Um, as are you. Yeah, you're definitely more so, but I've been, uh, I've been really getting into it and like trying to do the extended stuff lately. So I'm like trying to catch up. <laughs> it's a <laughs> right. lot to dig into. No, it, it really is. Um, it's, it's a lot, you know, but I do have the, the co, the coheed keywork tattoo and the dragonfly tattoo and all that stuff. <laughs> so I, you know, I, I know people Where have, a badge? <laughs> have a lot more, coheed pride than me i suppose i know some people have entire sleeves and back pieces and all this stuff i'm not i'm not quite that deep into it but <laughs> i did take the plunge and get the cult tat got the cult tattoo so one of us <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah i, I think 
you know, I know some people probably are only interested in the album review. We, we hope that you'll listen to this entire uh, episode here. Uh, but if that's all you're interested in, you could technically scroll that because we're going to talk about each record, but uh, we're going to talk about them sort of order of release. So we're going to be starting with second stage whenever we get there and yeah. ending with Vaxxas 2. So um, also if there's a specific record you want to hear our opinions on uh yeah you can just use that scroll bar you know yeah <laughs> scrub and find find the album of choice exactly alternatively uh, i know we did just run a contest um thank you to everybody that participated in that um we will be announcing the winner to that on this podcast we're going to do that at the end as well um just because we want to start getting into this content because i know this is going to be an adventure um <laughs> so <laughs> We can start with a little bit of background on the band. I guess we could do that. I'm sure if you're listening to this, you are probably already know enough, maybe more than us. Um, but <laughs> just just briefly, uh, the band started as a band called Shibuti, um, and they sort of morphed into Coheed and Cambria of hey, today. Shibuti. The original lineup of Coheed and Cambria consisted of Claudio Sanchez, who, if you've you know, that's probably the most noteworthy member of the band if you barely listen to coheed most people know who he is yeah uh, he's a pretty prolific guy his, his voice and his hair are legend um i feel like i've seen several like meme vines back in the day and then now tiktoks of just people with big hair it's like is that the coheed and cambria guy so it's like <laughs> people people recognize him his hair almost has its own personality yeah um uh, Travis Stever, uh, lead guitarist and absolute monster. Um, Josh Eppard, who is a very underrated drummer, I feel like, in prog rock. Uh, yeah. He's, he's one of those guys that... He definitely of, doesn't get enough love. He really doesn't. I mean, he's not, you know, he's not as technical per se as maybe like a Chris Penny who did come in and fill in for them uh, after Josh briefly exited. Um, but I feel like there's something to be said for a guy that can just sort of stay in the pocket the way that he does. So I think he is an underrated drummer in the prog rock scene. And then the original bass player, uh, was, uh, Michael Todd, Mike Todd, Mick Todd. He, I've, I've heard it pronounced every other way. I think it's supposed <laughs> to be pronounced Mike, but I feel like a lot of people pronounce it Mick. I actually did for a long time cause it's M I C, um, which oh. Mike for microphone. But I feel like some people look at that as like, yeah Todd so I've heard it pronounced that way the most I'm pretty sure it's Mike though um so that was the lineup for the first three records which arguably are the best three records um I'm sure some people (laughs) disagree with that um and we'll discuss our orders personally as well but um but yeah that was the lineup for the first three records then um, that's when sort of the band started having some minor issues. Um, uh, minor issues is not a side project <laughs> by them. Correct. correct. <laughs> uh, that's when, uh, Josh Eppard was having some, some issues and, uh, uh, drugs and things of that nature, which he talks very openly about and is sort of really, in my opinion, uh, an inspiration to people, I think, who have dealt with those things because he's so positive about, you know, I've seen him do podcasts and stuff like that, talking about his struggles and oh, that's you cool. know, kind of overcoming them. And um, and I think he, you know, his journey with the band and how he, you know, briefly exited and then came back and is just like 
body positive, just very, you know, just like just life positive. I feel like now, um, I think that's a good story, but he did briefly exit the band because of his struggles with, with drugs. Um, he was replaced by Chris Penny, as I said a little bit ago, um, who used to be the drummer for Dillinger escape plan, which is a legendary prog band. Um, awesome band. (laughs) Exactly. But for, for the actual record, no world for tomorrow, which is, that was when Josh exited, the drums were laid down on the recording by uh, Taylor Hawkins. Uh, rest in peace to him. Um, yeah. The drummer from Foo Fighters, which is pretty cool to have such a legendary drummer sort yeah. of fill in and kind of help them bridge the gap to Chris Penny. Um, but then that, in my opinion, led to one of their notoriously not as great records, which was Year of the Black Rainbow. Yeah. Um, I think the drumming on that record is fantastic. Um, but just overall, I feel like, and we'll talk more about that when we get to the discussion about the yeah. discography. Um, overall, I feel like that is just not sort of like the shining light in their discography. And I think most people agree with that. Um, but it does get a little more hate than it deserves. So we can talk about that when we get there. Um, sorry, I'm kind of just running through all this <laughs> shit just out of, out of my, I don't have notes, by the way, this is all out of my brain. So if I say something wrong, I'm sorry. Um, uh, so around the time of year of the black rainbow is when another band member with his own struggles with, with drug abuse, uh, robbed a Walgreens. Oh, and geez. <laughs> so Mike, Mike Todd, Mick Todd, Michael Todd, um, the bass player got in trouble with, uh, with the law for, for robbing a Walgreens and that's crazy. Yeah. He, you know, had to deal with that situation, you know, legally, obviously, but the band didn't want anything to do with that. So, yeah, I mean, um, it happened in the middle of a tour. Yeah. So, was, yeah. So that, geez. that was a big situation. He ended up being replaced by Zach Cooper, who I think has filled the role very well. Um, I believe he was a fan of the band too. Whenever he came on board, it's kind of hard not to be. I feel like Coheed has such a, like a wide, discography you know with so many different yeah sort of genres and uh song styles and whatever there's something for everybody in their discography i've said that forever um but yeah zach cooper came in filled in and i think he's been fantastic for the band there are people that'll argue you know mick todd is the technical mick todd mike todd michael todd whatever um (laughs) is the more technical, like the better bass player just from a overarching skill perspective. But I don't necessarily, you know, I, th- I think the, the bass playing just the entire rhythm section, in my opinion, on the new record is some of the best that yeah, we've I... seen on any, you know, granted, I know a lot of people will probably be unhappy with the level of synths and stuff like that, like the different layers that they use, the different effects that they use in the new record. But I really think it's some of Josh Eppard's best work. Yeah. Um, I've, it, and, and uh, Zach really does his thing on, on both Vaxxis records in my opinion. So um, yeah, I, I honestly like, cause I'm not quite as familiar with the lineup changes. So I honestly like didn't really even notice a huge difference in right. them, but you know, I'm, more am like just Some, listen to the music and yeah. i've just recently delved into like 
lineups, you know, side yeah. projects and I, all I that think stuff. like I think one of the best records from like a rhythm section perspective is Good Apollo one. Uh and I really think, you know, Josh Shepard and and Mick Todd, Mike Todd, Michael Todd, I'm just gonna say all three of them. <laughs> um really get busy on that record. But I do think this new record is is probably some of the best work I've seen from Josh and uh, and Zach really does this thing on this record too. So yeah, um, but yeah, and and eventually, obviously, uh, as people know who who follow the band now, Josh Shepard does rejoin the band uh, right around the Afterman time frame. Um, I I read or I or I saw an interview or something like that where um, when during his quote unquote audition, which I feel like if they're willing to audition Josh Eppard, an original member, they're basically just bringing him in to say, are you, you know, hopefully you're interested in this because <laughs> we would probably love to have you back, especially if you've cleaned up and all this stuff, which he obviously has. Um, but I read or watched an interview that the song that they showed him was gravity's union. Hmm. Um, and he just started drumming along to it. And that's honestly one of my favorite Coheed songs, especially off the Afterman dual record, uh, records because they do stand alone but um but yeah i guess that was one of the, and and he really i feel like put his stamp on that on that track as well i know a lot of people were like you can't replace chris penny with and bring josh Shepard back because of how technical a drummer chris penny is but that was all the people that said that were like that's crazy to me <laughs> <laughs> i mean like josh Shepard's the way the, like his style of drumming just fits perfectly with coheed's flavor of music so yeah um but yeah so josh Shepard comes back right before the afterman records puts his stamp on those records in my opinion and now the lineup has been the same ever since so we're we're basically set now with claudio you know rhythm guitar slash kind of lead stuff as well and vocals obviously uh travis at lead guitar also does some backing vocals uh Zach Cooper, same situation, bass and does some backing vocals, and Josh Eppard can sing too, and plays drums. So yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, quite a. So there's there's the backstory. I don't know if I said that that they're from not like Nyack, New York area is kind of where they came up, but that's where they came up. Um, side projects, because we're this is you know it's it, I could spend <laughs> so much time. Uh, so Prizefighter Inferno is Claudio's side project. He came out with My Brother's Blood Machine, which was like a full-length record that was kind of more in the vein of what Coheed sounds like, but also with like a lot of electronica mixed in. But I felt like that record was a very hybrid record from what Prizefighter Inferno exists as now versus like how it started versus like what Coheed is. Like there's that weird, that record is kind of like an in-between. You get some songs that you could be like, that could be on a Coheed record. Yeah. Um, yeah. He, it does seem like a kind of just like not that big of a leap away from Coheed's, you know, yeah. the core Coheed stuff. For sure. And, and honestly you get, I mean, it's Claudio and Claudio sort of is, I mean, it's, it's not fair to say he is Coheed, but for the most part he is Coheed. So, um, yeah, anything, I think just cause he's like the face of right. it. Like, and I mean like, you think about what makes Coheed stand out and really it is him. I mean, he's such a unique, he has such a unique voice 
that when you hear it, you know it's Coheed and Cambria. I mean, there are yeah. other there are other vocalists that have sort of that high register, which it has gone down a little bit. Like it's not a like second stage era Claudio. Oh yeah, yeah. Versus it is like, like Vaxis area er, Vaxis era Claudio. Um, very different registers, and I think they even tune down for some of the older songs when they play them live now. Oh really? Um, yeah, I, I I'm pretty sure, but uh. Regardless, even now, his voice is still very recognizable. You know, it's not, it's in the same vein as like your Anthony Green's, you know, Circa Survive type stuff, Seosin, Seosin, however that's pronounced stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um, good Tiger, if you want to talk about modern stuff. Um, yeah, Good Tiger. Some Tesseract-ish stuff, you know, your Daniel Tompkins, like people with higher register yeah. voices, but his is just very unique, especially like the way he phrases when he sings. Nobody does that. I yeah. Mean, maybe some like it's weird. Like there are some songs you'll be listening to and it's like, is he singing in like a British accent? Like what exactly? <laughs> like how do I just I'm curious where he like gets the inspiration from his phrasing, like whether it was some kind of like vocal coaching or something that just, you know, you can hit these notes better if you phrase it this way or so. I just, I'm just curious how that came to be because yeah. he doesn't talk like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. I I have noticed like the way he pronounces stuff yeah, differently when he's singing. And it's like, like was wondering, cause I don't think I've ever actually watched like interviews and you know, I haven't been to a show to actually like hear him speak. Right. It's only been through his music, like from recorded stuff. So like, yeah. I was just like, does he talk like this or <laughs> is it like just purely his, you know, vocal performance and stuff? Yeah. I, I really think like just based on my interactions with him and, uh, I, I really think that it's some, some way that he, you know, learned to hit those notes or something. I'm not a hundred percent sure, but the phrasing and such is very unique. And I think that's what makes him stand out. Yeah, I definitely agree. But yeah, so I guess we can probably move on from the Prize Fighter Inferno and talk about. I mean, can we? They also have a bunch of EPs, <laughs> singles. Like he he's released a lot of different music under that moniker, um, and it, it has gotten like more electronic sort of as he's progressed. I guess that's kind of where we were at. Um, so yeah, My Brother's Blood Machine, very much sort of an in between. Um, then like smaller, like EPs, like the half measures EP, I think is still semi like in the middle, but there's a lot more electronic stuff on that. Um, but like the song half measures itself very much to me sounds like it could be a Coheed track. Yeah. Yeah. I've prize fighter Inferno. I've like started in the, like, I don't know, maybe last year I've been like digging into them more. Um, but there's just like, because there's so much Coheed stuff, it's like the side projects I've not dabbled yeah. in quite as much. So yeah. you definitely have more to talk towards yeah, for the and side I'm trying projects not than to, I do. I'm trying not to like get too wrapped up in the side projects because like we could probably do like mini episodes <laughs> about each one of those too. So I'm, yeah. we're just going to move on. So yeah, Claudio's sort of electronica, like borderline Coheed-ish side project, Prizefighter Inferno. Um, uh, Josh Shepard, Weird Science, um, that's sort of like a hip-hop rap side project for him that is actually very cool. Um, it started off just as like normal kind of underground-ish rap, but then the Red Light Juliet sort of storyline that he built 
Um, and I think that's across three records. I'm not a hundred. I think it is. It's across three records. Cause then he released a trilogy vinyl with all three. Oh, that's cool. Um, that, uh, those records for me are, are extremely like captivating. It's cool. Like the storyline that he builds, like this entity that visits him and like has visited his family and, is visiting his kids now and all this like it's just that's such a cool it's sort like of, prog rap yeah it's it's, <laughs> very, it's cool to have a concept sort of built into even you know into his, his hip-hop side yeah that, that is really unique I, I think that's something that's like missing from a lot of other music genres is like the concept album right yeah. so i think that's that's a cool idea yeah. and like the the few songs that i've listened to i i enjoy it too i'm i don't listen to a lot of hip-hop but that is like his style is something that i definitely like i would dig into and yeah. would enjoy and, and i listen to like relatively similar like underground hip-hop rap artists like uh like jedi mind tricks vinnie paz that's kind of his project and like army of the fair really everything that vinnie paz does for some reason um, if you've never listened to him, uh, Season of the Assassin is a fantastic, uh, like underground hip hop. I'll have to check that out. Really good. Um, but yeah, he's kind of in the same vein as that, as that style. So, um, I connect with that because I was already listening to relatively similar music. Um, but yeah, I don't want to get too far into the side <laughs> project. So, um, Travis had a side project called Davenport Cabinet as well, which is kind of like a folk rock type type situation i i know he has at least two they have at least two records um i don't know if there's more than that i i do like the music um it's very relaxed chill just sort of like just sort of right down the line rock with like a folk maybe vibe to it this is one i haven't heard of at all out of like i've heard of i had heard of weird science and like just dabbled in a little bit to like get a feel for it um but and like prize finder inferno a little more but i had never heard of this side project. So this is something I'll have to check out. Yeah. It sounds it's, cool. It's very cool. It's very like chill, sit around the fire, listen to it kind of music. In my opinion, um, the band, I, I was trying to come up with a comp and I really couldn't, I mean, there's probably a lot. It's like I said, it's kind of straight down the line rock <laughs> with a little bit of a folk vibe, but for some reason, Mumford and sons came to mind, but it's not as like much of a production. I feel like as, as Mumford and sons with all okay, the, but like similar, like yeah. for fans of right. Kind of yeah. Deal. I would, I would say like, if you like Mumford and sons, you would probably like some of that, uh, hmm. Davenport. I'll definitely have stuff. To check that um, out. and, uh, yeah, I mean, there's also sort of the band's side project, which, wow, am I drawing a blank on the name? Um, it's Travis's sort of Travis is the lead singer. Oh, what the heck is it? It's he goes by Cleveland Stever or something in it. Oh my God. Why am I drawing a blank? Um, it'll pop into my head, but, um, it's just more of like a joke than anything else. Like why a comedy type thing. Yeah. Um, fill, fill, fill some air here. Give me one. <laughs> you checking the thing. <laughs> Yeah, this is this is another side project that I did not know existed either. So I'm uh, I'm curious to see and hear about Children of the Deuce. I found it. Children of the Deuce. <laughs> Fire Deuce is the name of the band. Children of the Deuce is their is their most recent like EP. Wow, did I struggle to figure that out? I apologize. <laughs> um, 
for me, it's their weirdest project. I know a lot of people like it. Um, it's it's a little strange. I'm not, you know, I, I, I appreciate it for what it is. <laughs> and I appreciate that, like, all of the band members sort of take on, like, an alter ego for, <laughs> for the songs. <laughs> That's um, kind of funny. Yeah, and I they, like, did a... They did a with the VIP stuff for their, for their tours and stuff, they do like an early entry thing. And the one tour they did an early entry as fire deuce and they all, they all (laughs) wear costume. It's just, it's real funny. Yeah. (laughs) Um, musically it's probably my least favorite of the side projects, but, uh, which is why I struggle to remember the name because I do not listen to 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 it it really. Um, but, uh, it is it is cool and it's intriguing and it's part of the Coheed lore and you know it's it's a very interesting <laughs> situation so it's it's worth looking I'll into. Yeah, I have to check if it you've out. not uh, listened to Fire Deuce, definitely check it out. Um, there's probably other like little side projects that exist. Oh, uh, Claudio with his wife started a side project called Shawnee and Clyde. Oh yeah, yeah. And they released uh, they released music under that moniker, which was kind of cool. I I do like some of the like Prize Fighter stuff too. That includes uh, Chani at, like on vocals. I feel like, um, and, and if you've listened to prior episodes of our podcast, you'll know that I'm kind of a sucker for like a female vocal. Um, yeah, like the layer, like, like duet like kind layer. of thing. Yeah, I, I I really enjoy that. So, um, so that's another project worth checking out, but. Honestly, I think we should just start diving into the music because I could just keep talking about random bullshit <laughs> for, for a long time. So, uh, what do you think? You want to just want to yeah, just dive in? Well, let's here? get into it. All right. So, so starting with the uh, the second stage turbine blade. Yes. So this record is iconic. I feel like. Um, this is the one that gets them associated with like the emo genre a lot, which drives me insane. Um, because in my opinion, emo music is derived from the lyrical aspect of music. Um, you know, emotional lyrics is essentially where emo is derived from. And for me, they're not singing like it's all based in a concept. So like I look at it as a song, a song sort of based essentially a soundtrack to a a fictional story. Yeah. Like how can you deem that as like emo? I guess I don't like that's that's my internal sort of yeah. I guess like it like from the the sound from a sound perspective, how people would throw it in there. Sure, but. Also, like, that's kind of my thing, too, is that it's a concept, so it's not, like, the it's, the album's not about, like, being angsty and, like, right. <laughs> angry and, and get, stuff. It's, it's a, you know, fictional world. And I know people will push back and say, well, oh, I mean, it's a fictional world based on Claudio's, like, reality. Like, he wrote this as sort of a, as, like, a veil to his reality. Like, and I get that. That's fine. Like... Yeah. But isn't that all art in, in like a lot of ways? Like a lot of films were written, you know, from the perspective of, of the, you know, the person writing the, the screenplay that's like, oh, you know, this is, this is written about the whatever part of my, you know, childhood or whatever. Like, I don't know. I guess maybe 
you could still say, well, yeah, well, you know, the lyrics still have like an emotional, yeah, you know, yeah, I, I like I could kind of see an argument tone. like either like for either like it being thrown in the emo category or not. I personally don't really throw it in there. No, like I it don't has either. some like emo adjacent sound to it, but like there's also a lot of like post hardcore bands that I wouldn't necessarily throw in the emo category no. either, but they have like emo category flavors to them. Sure. And and stuff. So, you know, I, I think like it it's kind of its own yeah. thing. I mean like I get, you know, Devil in Jersey City has that like emo style vibe to it. Just as from from the perspective of the song, like the way that it sounds compared to other emo bands in that time, just focusing specifically on the musical aspect of it. Yeah. Like, um, but that's really the only, I, I just, I don't know. I don't see, I don't see anything emo really about it, but I guess, you know, like the whole like paper cut my heart in half and discard the evidence or, you know, like <laughs> stuff like, I, I get it, you know, or, uh, What's the other big one? Like pull the trigger and the nightmare stops. Like, all right. Yeah. Like I get it, but it's all based in a concept. So that's where I'm sticking to, but I get, I do get the argument, but I don't like it. Um, <laughs> I mean, I don't really care either way. Cause I also listen to plenty of emo music. Yeah, so I mean, it, same. I, it used me to bother way. me because I was very anti emo, but then my wife and I will like be cleaning the house, listening to like the emo forever playlist or whatever yeah, on yeah. Spotify. So I mean, we've we've taken many uh me and my wife have taken many road trips and listened to yeah. like the the emo playlist right. on Spotify and like just you know singing to MCR and Yeah, it just brings you back, <laughs> you know, to our kind of emo phase even though I feel like when we are I'll speak for myself, when I was in my quote unquote emo phase, I hated anything that was referenced. Like I hated when someone's like, "Oh, that's screamo. That's emo." I was like, "No, it's not." Yeah. But like Looking back at it, some of it, it's like, eh, maybe it was. But I'll, I'll die on the hill that Coheed is not emo. Um, I will die on that hill. Um, I mean, I would say, like, even if you make the argument that Second Stage Turbine Blade was an emo album, I definitely think they've very much, like, removed themselves from that, that yeah. category now. I mean, now. I look at Second Stage as, like, their purest post-hardcore-ish record. Like, it's the most raw-sounding um I feel like it's that's the, probably it's the most, why. Yeah, it's the most like it. attempted, like quote unquote heavy. You get a lot of sort of relatively poor, um, harsh vocals, for lack of a better word. Like we those all, like yeah. pterodactyl screeches. Yeah. Which in there I'm, I'm pretty sure that's uh, oh, some of the like on Hearshot Kid Disaster where it just opens with that like squeal. Yeah. Which is definitely Claudio. Nobody else is screaming that high. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I mean, honestly, just right, let's, we can go down this sort of track by track, but like, so the second stage turbine blade track is just the intro. It sort of introduces that, like that reoccurring theme, um, that you hear sort of throughout, um, some of the early Coheed records and then time consumer. I love the way that that track starts. Yeah. Time consumer. Um, that's actually like, I made like jotted down notes of like favorite tracks. And yeah. that was one of the ones that i like immediately yeah. was like this going on here. It's a classic. Um, you know, that's, that's one of the ones that's quoted quite often. Uh, a lot of these tracks really, I mean, 
Devil in Jersey City, that's that's always can that's always one that I feel like fans gravitate towards, especially the ones that are bigger fans of like Pop Coheed, love yeah. Devil in Jersey City, um, everything evil. I mean everything on Delirium Trigger, jeez. I mean, yeah, those for me, Time Consumer, Delirium Trigger, and Never Ender were like the three. I tried to like just so I had some like distinguishing of, instead yeah. of being like every song is my favorite. <laughs> I tried to pick like three from yeah. two or three from each album. And those were the three for me that are like st- kind of standout yeah. songs. I guess, I guess talking about every track would just be too. <laughs> so if we want to do that, so 33 for me is one of the best songs on the record, never ender. And then God send conspirator. I think God send conspirator is the best track on that record. And there's so many good songs on this record. Um, but, uh, it's sort of the first introduction to their, um, I, I would say it's probably close to maybe the proggiest song on, on second stage. Um, yeah. I, I like that song too. That was just like, I try to make my own rule of like three songs or less. Right. Yeah. No, I, I totally get that. So that like Godsend conspirator would have been like my honorable mention song on that, that right. one. Yeah. I just, I really like how like they do the, uh, sort of the build up endings. Um, and they do that in other songs too, like, uh, light in the glass. They do that Twenty one thirteen. They do like just the, where it builds up and then there's sort of like the, the different layered vocal tracks going on. Like you see that in some of the willing well tracks, um, just some of their longer proggier songs. I just, I really, I, I don't see God send conspirator in enough people's like top 10 coheed song lists. I feel like, yeah, I, I feel like it, it's, I don't know if it's just because it's on their first record and people look at, you know, the more popular songs, quote unquote, on the, on the first record, um, whether that be, uh, favor house or, or not favor house, sorry, uh, devil in Jersey city or delirium trigger or time consumer, even, um, never enders always a big one because that's what they were naming. They're like, that that big tour that they did where they played all of their records in its entirety in like four different cities or whatever. And now every time they do like a full album tour, they call it like, you know, it's the in keeping secrets, never ender tour. It's the good Apollo never ender tour. Like they, they now name their like full record tours yeah, after it, that. And the, um, the, the cruise thing they do now is called the SS, ne- the ships, yeah, the SS yep, never exactly. ender, right? Yep, yeah. That's yeah. like their like big name yeah, thing. So, so, so I could see a lot of people including that because of that, but um, that's a but cool yeah, name too. for me, for me, Godsend Conspirator is the highlight on that record. Um, followed by Never Ender in 33. I think those are, um, yeah, those are solid ones too. Yeah. So, I mean, and yeah, Never Ender is a good, good track to sort of focus on whenever they were naming their, their, uh, tours after that, because that, that track is fantastic. And also Never Ender, it's never ending. I like that. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, second stage overall, very raw, very post hardcore ish. I guess there's emo vibes, but um, that's the the rawness is what makes this like not hit my top three. It's like if they if they re recorded this like modern and like made it to. less raw, I think like it would it would end up being in my top three for sure. But. I think like how raw it is, but still how like 
good it is for being their first full-length record under the Coheed and Cambria moniker and having songs like God Send and Never Ender and 33 still sort of, and Delirium Trigger and Time Consumer, like all these songs still sort of stand out in their discography to me. I, yeah. would, I would hate if they, I would, I don't want them to re-record really? this. Uh-uh. I don't want it remastered. I want it to stay the way it is. I don't, I just, for me, I feel like it would, it would take away from, in my opinion, what kind of makes the record great um, is sort of the rawness to it, especially like that rawness is sort of ingrained in like a lot of early post hardcore music anyways. Like that's kind of like a staple of like early two thousands post hardcore. Yeah. It's, I don't know. There's something about like, for me, like I don't like stuff to be overproduced and stuff, but now like going back and listening to some older albums, it is just kind of like, ah, it's a little tougher to, to, to listen to this because you have like all these other great albums by this band yeah. that have like better production quality. So like, that's why for me that I would love to have like kind of a redo of it. I got you. Um, but I mean, even still, like I put this at my, f- my fourth spot. So like, it's still very, very high yeah. on my list even, you know, so I kind of took that into consideration yeah. that like, it still sounds great, even though it's a, you know, 20 year old album. Sure. So, Moving on uh, to what a lot of people will say is sort of their like their pinnacle, like their their best record. A lot of people would say uh, is "In Keeping Secrets of Silent Earth 3. Yeah, um, I love this record. Uh, I actually, whenever I first became a, the first time I ever heard heard Coheed and Cambria was this record, um, and I hated it. Is that really? funny? Yeah. Um, so I didn't, to be fair, the songs that I was shown at that time was Favor House Atlantic and Blood Red Summer. Uh, whoever introduced me to Coheed at that time, and I don't know who it was, and because I had so many <laughs> friends that listened to Coheed at that time. Yeah. I mean, our high school, for some reason, I don't understand, had a lot of people that liked Coheed and Cambria. Yeah, we had, there was a big like yeah. group of, of re- us that were all like pretty into it. I mean, I was like a late joiner, like yeah. everyone else kind of like told me about it. And- I was an outsider saying that it was stupid, but I, uh, I remember like sitting in our auditorium during like a study hall or something and a group of, uh, some of the people that were in our graduating class were passing around the original good Apollo, uh, like paperback book yeah. that they released, like the the graphic novel. Um, and I think that like seeing that like, anyway. So yeah, I was shown, I was shown favor house and blood red summer by somebody. And I hated it. I hated both songs. <laughs> I thought it was annoying. I, it was just like too poppy. And like, I did, I didn't get the voice. I just didn't get anything at that point. Um, Ultimately, I changed my mind about Coheed um, when Good Apollo was released and hearing Welcome Home and then the Willing Wells tracks um, is what ultimately made me become a fan and then go back to explore the older records, this one being the first one that I re-explored. And I started it from the beginning, which is what I should have did. I I should have never just like... But back then you didn't have Spotify. Yeah. Like I couldn't just go in and hit like play from the start. Like somebody gave me two illegally LimeWire downloaded like <laughs> allegedly. songs. Right. Allegedly. Yeah. We don't, there's can't confirm. 
Uh, but, you know, they gave me these two songs, and I'm like, what is this? You know, and at that point, I was listening to, like, like Kill Switch Engage and, like, yeah, there was like definitely that, which, some where of I that felt for me like, too. but I was also listening to like Atreyu and like like bands like that. I don't know, like that was kind of what I was listening to at the time. And I was like, oh, I'm a metalhead. I mean, whatever. But yeah, I was like, oh, I'm not listening to this garbage. But yeah, uh, it's kind of like that metal elitism. Right, like yeah. I'm into metalcore and like right. I don't want to listen to your rock stuff. Exactly. And like I was listening to like. Uh, like it's like dumb thrill, high school thrill stuff. seeker and like messengers area era like yeah. august burns red yeah. like i don't know to me i was just like oh this isn't what i'm into but uh welcome home and then the willing wells sort of scratched the itch uh enough to get me to explore the rest of the stuff and starting this record from the beginning and having it lead into in keeping secrets and just listening to sort of that epic song because it really is it, it's hard to put other Coheed songs above this one for me. I have, but <laughs> but it it took a lot. Um, this is, in my opinion, and I you've never seen the band live. Yeah, no, not yet. So this is, in my opinion, something that I hope you get to experience. Which you know, I've seen them in the twenties now, somewhere in the twenties times, um, and I've seen way too many concerts at this point i've probably spent way too much money going to shows <laughs> and i'll stand by that the like vocal um like the crowd participation like the vocal crowd participation when they play the song whether it's like the part where everybody chants like man your own jackhammer or like the yeah. woes at the end um it does seem like just, a really good like crowd oh yeah the crowd participation on this song when it's played live is like second to none in the live setting um As i really hope they play this because this is actually in keep your secrets like the title track is my favorite song yeah it, by them it, it's definitely the strongest song i mean 2113 is so powerful too and so is the crowing like i mean there's a lot of very good song the entire camper valerium suite uh, Fane of Hearts and Back End of Forever do not get enough like yeah they are they're especially really like Back End of Forever I feel like gets buried because anytime somebody men mentions a Camper Valerium track I always feel like it's Fane of Hearts or Al the Killer and in my opinion Al the Killer is the weaker of the three and I feel like that's normally one that people are like oh this is the best one um, Back End of Forever is so good um, like the the whole sort of like slight uh, shift from like when it goes into uh like i have no luck with girls and then it goes into the chorus like that like transition and just the chorus is so powerful and it's it's a very underrated track um but obviously the the big ones on this record is in keeping secrets the title track and then the crowing um those were the big ones that i gravitated towards when i came back to listen to this record uh after i decided well maybe coheed isn't that bad <laughs> and fast forward how many years later i don't even want to think about it what is it has it been like 15 20 years later well since the release of <laughs> keep well, secrets or since so it you would started? have been it would have technically been since the release of good apollo i guess would have been like when i finally became a fan but still that's what 2005 so like that's 17 been, years jesus uh <laughs> we're freaking yeah. old dude uh, I know I was I was going through and like <laughs> listening to like looking at the albums like the release dates and stuff and I was like I can't believe yeah. how old these albums are and I was like oh my so god crazy. I feel so old but uh, 
yeah, I mean, fast forward 17 years later, God, that hurts to say, uh, now I have, I'm just looking around this room we're in right now. I have, we are surrounded by there's two coheed flags hanging there. There's a coheed poster signed. I got two coheed vinyls framed one prize fighter vinyl framed. I got a big like wood sign. You could say you're a fan. Yeah. I got a big wood sign thing that my wife had made for me for a, uh, one, I don't remember if it was a birthday or if it was an anniversary. It was some kind of gift from her, which is really cool. Um, I got my call your mother mask over on my lamp there. I got my, what's this thing <laughs> called? The Cantillion speaker lamp thing. Is that yeah, what that's called? I got that Vaxus sitting on my desk set. here. Yeah. Like just really trying to feel this Coheed vibes, but, um, yeah. So, I mean, fast forward 17 <laughs> years, I went from, I guess, you know, 20 years ago, I hated the band to not hated, but just wasn't into it. And now I'm like s- tattoos and all yeah. this shit. So, um, yeah, but th- those two tracks, uh, In Keeping Secrets and The Crowing, really like, I was like, okay, there's more that I like. And then I went back to Second Stage, Never Ender, and Godsend. And, you know, I was like, okay, I like this. And then at the time, I kind of called it my guilty pleasure band. I still kind of do, to be honest. Although now I listen to a lot more prog rock. It's probably not the case anymore. But when I was yeah. strictly a metalhead, you know, I could still, especially after the first time I saw them live, I could still get into the songs like Blood Red Summer and and uh, Favor House and all that stuff live. Because yeah, it's, it's funny. Like, my music taste for Coheed is just, like, all over the place. Like, <laughs> my, my list of favorites from here are, uh, you know, the title track and then Favor House Atlantic and The Crowing. So it was like, those are yeah. the three that I picked out. And it's like, it's kind of like, 2113 dude that yeah that's one of the most i mean it's so long but like the light in the glass and 2113 just is everything i love in a coheed song the different like (laughs) the different style changes the different like tempo changes the like callbacks to previous songs from this record other records whatever like they give you sort of those like easter eggs within tracks like yeah i love that stuff they do that in the willing well we'll talk about that in the next the next record that we talk about, but like they do that in the willing wells, um, you know, callbacks to just others. It's just, it's cool to and like, you see that a lot with, with bands that do concept records. Um, but I don't know, just the way that they do it. I, I very much enjoy Like you hear something and it's like, Oh, I've heard that before. This is great. Like, it's yeah. just, it's so weird. Um, I do. I, I love how much Coheed <laughs> does that with like the Easter eggs. It's like even in the Vaxis, the new Vaxis record, yeah, with, like the callbacks to uh, um, Old Flames. Uh, yeah, Old Flames. Like that's that cool. was as soon as the intro song started playing. Like I got excited because I'm like, I know that song, and it's like <laughs> just just having yeah. that moment of like, and it starts off the album that way. It's like, oh, it this is going to be too, good. Yeah, is, but again, yeah, we're talking, we're getting ahead of ourselves. But still, that I mean, it's it's cool that you know and it's really kind of a prog band thing i know other bands do it that aren't necessarily considered prog but i it's it's more commonplace i think in progressive music yeah i, I think that's what lends Coheed to have such a like cult following is because it's like the more you know about the band and like they're like the books and all of that stuff, the more you get out of their music and you yeah. get like samples from other songs, like little Easter eggs or like callbacks to like stuff from the comics or the books. And right. like all of that crossing over is just like, Oh, I see what you did there. And it's yeah, like, you, yeah, it's especially... just such a cool feeling while you're, it's like, 
an additional element beyond like normal, like just listening to music and feeling the lyrics. It's yeah. like, I also remember that part from the book or, you know, whatever. And they mention a character then, you know, you start to sort of grasp the concept within the music, which I know, um, you know, the Amory Wars story itself is relatively not like hard to follow, but it's a little bit like, especially the earlier ones. I know now like with the good Apollo comics and, uh, I know, uh, Chandra's very involved with those writing, uh, sort of gathering all of the thoughts and the stuff from Claudio and then like sort of putting it out into like the, the comic form. And I know she wrote, she wrote the Vaxis books as well. Chandra did oh, okay. his wife. It's his story, but like, I'm pretty sure she did the writing. I know that they both worked on it together. I yeah. didn't know like who did what. I, exactly. I do think since she is kind of, and this is not a knock on Claudio or the original stories or anything, but I do think that since she's sort of taking over, uh, in some capacity that I do think the writing's a lot more, um, like easier to follow. I don't know if, I don't even know if that's fair, but I think like the story is a lot more like understandable. Like you can understand kind of what's happening a little bit more. And that's coming from a person who really didn't read a whole lot of comics until I adapted my, uh, coheed sort of obsession. <laughs> um, now I read other comics and stuff too here and there and I, I do enjoy it. So I, I think maybe. See, I'm coming from the other way. Like I've read <laughs> so many comics, but I have never read the, the Coheed ones. So like, I really want to get into them, but it's right. just like, it is quite yeah, an just... undertaking. I'm, I'm joining in like super late and it's like, Oh my yeah, God, you, there's so many. You borrowed my year of the black rainbow book. You just read that. Yeah. So. It was really good. Yeah, I, I enjoyed so it a lot. We'll get you the second so. stage. Uh, I have the ultimate editions for the, That's I, al I also have the individual comics if you prefer to read it that way, but I have, I, <laughs> yeah, have I mean, the e either way, editions. but yeah, I, I tried reading like the Vaxis two book from the, box set like having not read anything other than you're the black rainbow and i was like page two i'm like i don't know what is going on <laughs> i'm so yeah. lost yeah it's you know the vaxis story stands alone but also you know the whole comment about uh and i i have also i've not read the new book the the book from the box set i've just not had time i was on vacation last week i just yeah well time. it just came out a, and it did just come ago. out right um but uh he does sort of hint that it's, you know, the comment in the intro for Dark Sentinel a prologue on Vaxis One where it's like far into our future yet far beyond our past or something like that. Like, yeah, you can tell that it's going to loop in, you know, past stories and then sort of how it's going to progress to the future or whatever. Like, I'm I'm very intrigued to see. I know some I'm not going to say anything, but I know just because I don't also don't want to spoil anything, but. I do know some things that happen in the book. So that makes me more excited to read it. Yeah. Um, I, I, I really want to like get into it, but it's like hard to find them. So I'll just have to borrow yeah. yours and yeah. work through it. I, I, got them, <laughs> I got them all right there on that shelf. So <laughs> I'll take one home with me. There you go. But uh, yeah. So anyways, back to the music. So <laughs> 2113 uh, to me is a track that since it was kind of a quote unquote hidden track, Maybe it doesn't get as much love, but for me, that's a top, that's a top three, top four track on this record and probably like top 5% in all of Coheed songs, in my opinion. So, um, it is a solid track. It yeah. was, it was hard like when I was picking them and I think mostly like the reasoning for my three being favorite house Atlantic, the crowing and, uh, keep me secret silent or three 
is because like those were the ones that I was introduced yeah. to them. And so like those ones have like kind of the more nostalgia to them. Right. And so they kind of are like my go-to jams off of that that yeah. album. But would, there's just so many other good ones. Like, it would be really hard to pick four for me or three for me because <laughs> In Keeping Secrets, The Crowing, uh, Faint of Hearts, Back Into Forever, Light in the Glass, and 2113 are all like yeah. huge songs <laughs> for me. Um, but yeah, obviously In Keeping Secrets. And then I would honestly go uh, Crowing and then 2113 and then Light in the Glass as like a honorable mention for the fourth just because i love the way that that song builds and i love the way that it ends with like the like the harmonized different versions of the you know the vocal like the pray for us all and like that whole like section at the end is just so epic yeah like i'm really upset that that's not in my top three so (laughs) but it's hard to take the other ones out because the (laughs) the crowing is so good and in keeping secrets is such a powerful song it's just uh that whole record is so good. Yeah. But moving on to another really, really freaking good record. And the record that made me love Coheed and Cambria. Yeah. Uh, this was the one where, the, for me too, there was like, I started listening to them in there, you know, in Keeping Secrets. But there was like, this album was like, oh yeah, I there's really something here. And then that made me like, kind of go back and listen to their their older albums and like appreciate them more. And like, that was, this was kind of like the turning point for me where like, yep, I'm definitely a Coheed fan. I'm all in. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, yeah, like I said, I was not a fan. And then all of a sudden I was because I saw YouTube or not a YouTube video. Cause that wasn't something that I was doing. I don't think back then, but, um, I was watching like fuse. I think I, I think I've told the story before, but I was watching fuse, which is like almost like an MTV ripoff. And the video from Welcome Home came on and I didn't know it was Coheed, but it went pretty hard. And I was like, this is pretty sweet. Uh, And then I saw it was Coheed, you know, how they like flash the thing in the bottom. And obviously Claudio's hair is unmistakable. (laughs) uh, And Josh Eppard's like faces on the drums. I was just like, oh, they were just so into it. I was like, this is great. Um, I ended up buying the CD and really getting into this record. The Willing Well Suite is so freaking good uh some of the best prog music ever written in my opinion i just love how complex and you know all the different time changes and tempo changes and style changes and stuff that i just love about prog music everything is in those tracks yeah it is like this was another one that was really hard to only pick three yeah i i don't think i could um Welcome Home obviously is an amazing song, um, and I feel like it gets a lot of hate. Uh, not hate necessarily. I just feel like because it has like a hundred million streams, and it's the song that yeah, it's is the, the popular. You know, it was one, on so. Rock Band or Guitar Hero, one of those two. Uh, it was Rock Band. Yeah, 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 and you know, it was it was it's the one that is played at stadiums, and it was like the Super Bowl song the one year and. I, you still, you go to an NHL arena. Today. Wasn't that song also on uh, that movie Nine? That, it was, yeah, yeah. It was, yeah, was it Welcome Home? Yeah, I was I think thinking so. that it was like in the, like in the trailer. Yeah, is played it. That. Yeah, but like that that song sort of <laughs> that song being on there was what made me watch that movie, <laughs> actually. <laughs> uh, but. But honestly, I mean. 
without this song, I don't know if Coheed would have been sort of catapulted to as big as they are. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, they're still not like, you know, you don't turn on your local rock station and hear a Coheed song, right? You know, they're still not, you know. Yeah. It is funny, though, very because mainstream. Like, Welcome Home, I feel like I did hear on. It could like, have been. On our, like, the, the X, you know. Radio yeah, it, it definitely could have been. But uh, then, like, before and after that. It's like no longer like that. They're just like, they don't put them on the radio and which is just like, it's honestly strange to me because like you look at the number of monthly listeners that they have on Spotify and like, you know, pretty much every one of their songs has more than a million plays. So it's surprising to me that they aren't like a radio band. It's like, they have to be one of the most listened to like not radio bands. Definitely. Yeah. I I think they have a lot of mainstream appeal, especially because of how vast their catalog is and how many different styles, like I've said on this podcast and others, they have something for everyone. I truly feel that way. Um, That's why the fan base, I feel like, is as, for lack of a better word, like volatile against (laughs) each other as they are because... You know, there are people that love Coheed for their pop sound. There are people that love Coheed for their prog sound, for their, you And there's know. just me here along for the ride <laughs> for all of it. And, just and like, so, you know, I you, love see, it all. you see a lot of times whenever a t- new tour is announced or whatever, uh, the openers get a lot of shit because Coheed will tour with, you know, they'll tour with a band like Taking Back Sunday, and then they'll tour with a band like Between the Berry to Me. So it's like people who are more into the pop side of Coheed would be really pumped for the taking back Sunday tour where people who are into like the prog or like the slightly heavier sound sounding Coheed would be more into the between the berry to me. And then the crossover doesn't exist there. So then you get a lot of people who are like, what is this garbage whenever between the berry to me is opening and then vice versa. I mean, everybody knows who taking back Sunday is, but if you're a metal fan, or like a heavier Coheed fan or a prog Coheed fan, you're probably not as excited for that. So then you see a lot of clashing on the, on the fan pages. Like, it's funny because if like all three bands toured together, that'd be like awesome in my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be all on board for that. That would be very weird. Um, but I would, I mean, I wouldn't not go. Uh, <laughs> I wouldn't, I, yeah, I've just like, that's kind of feeds into like the, you know, like emo pop punk Right. Stuff the Taking Back Sunday that I still enjoy, but then also like the Between the Bear to Me, like the prog metal that I very much enjoy. Right. Yeah, I. But I've, I'm I'm the odd man out, I think, in this situation. <laughs> but I, I'd be I honestly, I I like a lot of like I like a mix when it comes to Coheed stuff. Like just you know continuing on like with Good Apollo, uh, I like. You know, Welcome Home obviously has a lot of mainstream appeal, but I think it's a great song. But then I also like Wake Up, which is a very, you know, slow song, right? And then like The Suffering is kind of more like that in that pop heed vein, but it's got like more sort of pep in its step, I think, compared to some of their other poppy songs. So I feel like I, you know, I get into that song as well. And then obviously the epic Willingwell tracks at the end, uh, and, you know, Apollo 1, the writing writer, and then you get the callback in Willingwell 3, which is Apollo 2. Just the long names are just crazy, but <laughs> yeah, it's, this... it's such a prog thing to do, though, and I, I love it. I this, yeah. this record for me, I think, is my favorite Coheed record, 
um, because I would probably put like fuel for the feeding end and from fear through the eyes of madness. Also the telling truth, like the whole willing well sweet is probably in my top 10 coheed songs. Yeah. Like this is one where like I, I typically listen to it like from front to back and don't really skip anything. And it's not just like, Oh, well they're, they're all like pretty good. It's just like, they're all just fantastic. Right. So I, I definitely agree that, I think this is this is my favorite Coheed album just because the number of awesome songs on it and like even like the worst song on here is still like a f- just crazy fantastic song. So yeah, I, I would say that I don't skip any songs on this record, but I do. Um, and it's always and never. So I, you'd be I, a liar. I don't. Yeah, I don't. I don't listen to always and never. Um I never really got it as like, I mean, I get it maybe from like a story perspective, but I never really got it sort of how it fit in the record. You have an intro track of keeping the blade, which is similar to your intro tracks on second stage and in keeping secrets. And then always and never is almost kind of with its length and just the style of song, kind of an intro track. So you almost have like back to back short, intro caliber tracks and then it leads into your epic which is welcome home where yeah. you know in keeping secrets you have you know the intro track leading into in keeping secrets which is your epic track on that record um i just i don't know and then you have the intro track into time consumer on second stage i just felt like it, it kind of always felt out of place for me which wasn't enough to lower the quality of this record because yeah i mean if you're only amazing. skipping one song yeah. that's two and a half minutes long and then it's, like <laughs> it's not even that i dislike it i just kind of don't i feel like it just doesn't it's just out of place for me but i'm, I'm sure there's people that might disagree with that but it doesn't really fit the record for me yeah um yeah i mean it's still uh that doesn't uh discount it you know no, like you said all. about the it's their best record in my opinion yeah. yeah so it's it you know if i skip a song and it's still their best record that just shows how quality of the other tracks are but yeah anyways the willing wells absolutely epic i'm gonna say that a million times uh but you know songs <laughs> like crossing the frame and 10 speed are also amazing songs 10 I mean, speeds every, on my top everything on this record is good so what top three it, what is it What's my top, top three? three uh mine are welcome home the final cut and 10 speed <laughs> the, the three that i narrowed it down to it was like insanely difficult to yeah that it was actually like most of the albums i listened through them placed them on my kind of my top 10 spot and then like i was able to pick my three favorite tracks and like jotted down some notes and then moved on but this one was like I know where I'm putting it already, but like I'm leaving my favorite tracks blank and I'm going to have to listen to it again to like pick these three. And it was so hard to do. So yeah, begrudgingly, those were my three. (laughs) Yeah. So I'm not going to put it in an order of like one, two and three. I don't think we've necessarily been. Yeah. Mine. I just picked three. So willing well, one willing well, two willing well, three. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Feel for I, the, I thought you were going to go cheat codes and just say the Willing Wells is one. Uh, <laughs> all three that, are one. I didn't know I had that cheat code at my disposal. If that's the case, well, that's why the, it's a cheat code. All of the Willing Wells plus. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not going to cheat. Willing Well one, Willing Well two, Willing Well three. So fuel for the feeding end from Fear Through the Eyes of Madness and Apollo two, The Telling Truth. 
Uh, I used to listen to Apollo 2, The Telling Truth, as, like, my pump-up song whenever I pitched, whenever I was playing baseball. Nice. Uh, So that used to, like, I just love that song. That song is probably the most underrated Willing Well. Um, But, yeah, fantastic, uh, fantastic suite of songs, fantastic record. Yeah, that's that's uh, that's probably a good place to leave that yeah. one and move on to No World for Tomorrow. Taylor Hawkins on the drums. We have our we have our first sort of shift, um, and as far as lineup goes, uh, but it, it, there is a different sound on this record. I don't yeah. I don't attribute it to that. No, yeah, I don't think it has anything to do with that per no. se. It's, I think it's they definitely on this one went for like a southern rock aesthetic like there seems to be for their albums they kind of have like an inspiration or like a theme that they go for at the time and this one seems very like southern like classic rocky and this one like there are a lot of good songs on here but this is an album for me i think it just like i enjoy you know numerous tracks on it but overall the album just doesn't click for me and I know it seems to be like the unpopular opinion because people seem to regard this one like pretty high on most lists. But for me, it's it's lower on mine. I think I had it at uh, like seven or eight. So uh, what I will say about this record is it has one of the most epic openings of any Coheed record. Yeah, I definitely, I, I would agree with that the, re- sure. the reaping with like the hell must know, like that whole like lead. And then it just drops into no world with that epic sort of intro guitar. Yeah. And, but like for the most part, you, I mean, you get a little bit of like, like on grave makers and gunslingers, you get a little bit of like a Southern rock vibe almost not a yeah. lot, but like a little bit. And then that's kind of like a, it's not really a full theme of the record itself, but like that's kind of the first time you hear that type of sound, in my opinion, from Coheed. Um, I feel like Travis maybe put his stamp on this record a lot because I kind of associate that type of stuff with him and like his guitar style. Uh, but then you have songs like uh, Mother Superior, which is just one of their best, in my opinion, like slower songs. Yeah. I love the little like guitar riff. Um, I play it frequently when I pick up my guitar. I think my wife probably hates it because of it. <laughs> um, but I, I think that that song's very underrated. The, when Josh came back to the band and they did like, it was like, I, I feel like they did a set, acoustic set in like a shoe store or something. <laughs> um, and uh, that version, they do they do a version of Mother Superior in that like little acoustic set that they did. That's cool. That I, is one of my favorite versions of that song, and it, I think that's really what made me like that song. That's that actually is one of my the top three songs that yeah, I picked. It, it would be mine. It would be in, in my top three as well. But yeah, overall, I do agree to to an extent that um, this this song is kind of one of their or this not this song this record is one of their weaker records, but that's not to say that it's a weak record. That's just to say that their body of work is so, yeah, I, yeah, I, hold, I hold sure. so many of their records in such high regard that this one just didn't click as much for me. I could totally see this record clicking with other people, um, for different reasons, especially, I mean, honestly, no world for tomorrow, the title track, the reaping into no world tomorrow, might be one of the best 
openings of all of their records. I mean, obviously, leading into In Keeping Secrets is just such an epic track, but really, you know, it drops you right into this record. So, yeah, this one does like come swinging right out of the gates. Yeah, but songs like uh, The Hound of Blood and Rank, which is a good song, it, it almost kind of suffers from coming after a song like No World for Tomorrow and just how, like, just sort of not technical, but just the guitar is very heavy and just, yeah, I just, not heavy either, but I don't know. It's, it's an interesting change to go from that into like the hound of blood and rank starts with like, do, 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 <laughs> Like, it's just like, Oh, what? but it, I don't know. Maybe I'm just making shit up at this point, but, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's still a good song. Feathers. I never really got into It's It's one of their popular songs. That was one of the singles from this record. Uh, they made a video on it. The video was entertaining. I did like the video. They're, the woman's putting everyone in a meat grinder. Like that's <laughs> <laughs> um, I, And it's not that I don't like the song. It just never fully, like, I never grasped. I just didn't connect with it. The Running Free was another one of the singles. I also didn't, I, I really didn't connect with The Running Free. Um yeah, that one, I th- that was on an NHL. It was, yeah. And, and I remember, and I was like, like excited seeing like, wow, yeah. there's Coheed on here. And then like listening to the song and I was like, hmm. Yeah. It was like, I feel like they could have picked a better one. No World would have been cool. Gravemakers yeah. probably would have made the most sense on like a, on a video game. I don't know, but. Um, yeah. I, yeah, this, you know, like you had said before is like, it being lower on my list still doesn't mean like that it's a bad album. Right. It's just like the quality level for Coheed is so high that like even their worst album for me is like a six out of 10. That's that's the thing. That's the thing with Coheed is other bands that have this wide of a discography will put out records where I'll listen to the whole record. And this is just me speaking personally, but I'll listen to the whole record and I won't put a single song off of that record into a, you know, top 10% of their discography or, you know, I'm I'm probably not going to listen to anything off of that record. Maybe one song. Um, And even then it's kind of like, eh, do I even really care to listen to it with Coheed? I feel like they consistently put a song on every record, at least one song that I feel like is a top 10%. Yeah. I feel like, like if you were making your own, like here's the coheed essential playlist, like you would probably have at least a song from each of their albums. At least probably multiple, but yeah, Yeah. at least one, you know, from, from this record, I would probably put no world mother superior, maybe grave makers as well. Cause I do really enjoy that song. Um, I like on the brink aside from, the like I know some people like the hail times 57 have you ever seen that meme or times 58 maybe it's 58 hails where like there's a there's an interlude not an interlude but like a part of the song where they're just like hail 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 and it goes on I think they do it like 50 something times uh I don't like that um and I don't know if people actually like that whenever they make those jokes or they're making the jokes because they don't like it but I personally think it kind of I don't like it in the song I think it kind of and I'm speaking from a musical perspective um I don't know how you know what impact that is or what that is representing as far as the story goes um yeah whether or not that makes sense conceptually for that song 
you know, I don't know the answer to that, but just speaking strictly from a music perspective, I don't like that. And that kind of ruins the song for me a bit. Um, yeah, there's like a certain repetitive nature that's like expected in music. You know, you have like the chorus, obviously that you come back to and you know, the different verses and stuff, but there's a point for me where I'm like, okay, this has been repeated too many times. I'm like, I'm about to skip the song. Like, (laughs) so, right. Yeah, when you have some repeated 50-something times, like, all right, time to move on now. Different word, please. But I I do like that On the Brink kind of brings back, and I might be wrong. Again, I take I took no notes for this. Um, <laughs> on the Brink, I'm pretty sure, brings back the final cut, like the sort of the ending of the final cut and how like the like, do, 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 do. Like it brings that like sort of, yeah back um i do like that um i'm pretty sure it's on the brink that does that so uh i do i do enjoy any callback to like a previous song always gets me hyped so yeah those are Um, always cool but yeah overall i agree i agree with your assessment that you know this is one of their you know weaker records overall but it's funny because I was like kind of surprised. Like when I built the list, I was like, "Oh, Dan's gonna be pissed when he hears where, <laughs> that I ranked uh, No More for Tomorrow so low." Because I know it's still good. It's still so like that's the other thing is I don't want people to hear me say that's one of their weaker records. And you know, I it's not their weakest. It's not. Yeah. You know, it's not. I would put I would put at least three records below this one. I would. Yeah. Well, that's that's why I figured that. It was yeah. like, oh, whenever I have my list, it's like, oh, we're going to have a heated debate here. But <laughs> We still might, but it's not yeah. going to be on this one. Yeah, it might be for different reasons. Yeah. Um, but anyways, we're going to move on to arguably their most controversial record. Um, arguably, because there's one other one that I could see argument for. Yeah. But um, You're the Black Rainbow. So this record, they took on sort of a new approach. Um, they went and got, uh, what is Atticus Ross, the dude from nine inch nails, I think, um, to, to sort of do the production on this record. And I think it is overproduced and horribly mastered. And I think that really, really does a disservice to songs that I think are kind of diamonds in the rough. A lot of these songs I think would, re- you know, you talked about how second stage, you, you wish that they would re remix or remaster, re-record those tracks. Yeah. I think the record that would benefit the most from them doing that is this record because songs like far songs like shattered symphony world of lines, honestly, one leading into the broken is a decent intro too, but like songs like, when skeletons live, like I just don't, I mean, I, I've seen people say that that's their favorite Coheed song. And that is literally like in the gutter for me and not to <laughs> no be confused with the fact that they have a song called the gutter, which is a million times better than this track. Um, and I, I just don't like some of the vocals just sound off. Some of the mix sounds off. I just, maybe it would benefit maybe like hearing it through a different, you know, with a different mix, I would change my mind. Yeah. But this man, album, this album is very like muddy sounding almost yeah, like, just, and just the, what they tried to do with the synths and the effects and stuff, I just feel like fell on its face. Yeah. Like there are definitely, I really like here we are juggernaut and uh, Pearl of the stars too. Like it's Pearl of the stars is just like a nice 
like kind of softer acoustic-y song. It's yeah. like kind of a cool, like different it is a nice sound, and I I really like that. And far also, which you mentioned already, yeah. Like there are a, a bunch of good songs on here, but yeah, I agree that I do think this one for sure would like you know second stage was still like number four for me, so it's very high up yeah. there. Whereas this one's like this is the my number ten, like it's, it's your the least favorite. Yeah, see, I and I think if they did like this, actually for me might be better than no world for tomorrow if they did like a re-record remix because the number of songs that i like on this yeah but there are stuff that's like uh, i feel like i'd like this song if it didn't sound muddy yeah i don't know if it was just they got too ambitious or what but i i look at i can't put this as my least favorite coheed record just because i i do hold songs like far and world of lines um Pearl of the Stars, uh, you know, in relative high, like, high regard. You know, yeah. like I said before, I think every Coheed record, they put at least one song, normally multiple songs, honestly, probably multiple songs that are and in this that, album. Like, they actually put a song called One. That is true. <laughs> that is true. Um, I feel like they put multiple songs on each record that are in like the upper echelon of Coheed tracks. If you look at their discography sort of as a collection of songs, yeah. I feel like there's always at least one song that's in that like top like 10, 15%. Yeah, I mean, it's hard. Even... They have so many songs. So if you're like, you know, top 10% is probably like the top 20 Coheed songs. And I mean, I, I do feel that way. I think far or world of lines have a chance for me personally to be like in that top in that top. Yeah. It's funny. Just like looking at the Spotify stats for this album, like here we are juggernaut has almost 6 million plays as of now. And then there are actually, I've said earlier about like every song has more than a million on this record. There are several that don't. Yeah. It's definitely, it's, it's not a, uh, it's not a hot take to say that people (laughs) don't, generally enjoy this record and i do think that it's because of the mix i don't think it's the yeah. music i think i genuinely think that if they took a different approach to this record and it, i mean it was a weird time for the band too i know like you know chris penny was on drums so they lost they didn't have josh Shepard. chris penny is a freak on drums so let's not like discredit him but yeah it just, he, i don't think he was a fit for what the band was doing but i think they maybe tried they knew his caliber um, you know, his sort of prestige as a drummer. And they maybe tried to focus on that when they wrote this record. Cause there, I mean, you, there are a lot of very good, I think there are drum parts on this record that I'm not going to say Josh can't play them because he's very, very talented. He could probably play them, but I think it would be difficult for him to play a lot of these songs in a live setting on the drums. He could do it. I, I don't want to say that he can't, he definitely could. Um, but I do think they made him a focal point and then they got very experimental and I don't mind bands doing that, but it wasn't experimental with the songwriting. It was more with like effects and like the mix. And I think, I think, like I said before, I think that really sort of didn't lend well to the music. Yeah. And it's, it's funny because like reading the book is like, I really enjoyed the book, but then it's like, so immediately after like finishing the book, I'm like, Oh, I want to listen to the album now. So see like how much I can understand and stuff. And I was just like, as I was listening through it, I'm like, uh, yeah, 
you know, it's, it's such a, it's such a bummer. And like, even like the album artwork's cool too. And yeah. and stuff. It's like, I really want to, <laughs> to yeah. like it. And, the and con- I feel like, like the whole I, concept of it is cool. Everything about the story part of it is cool. I just, I would love for them to remix and remaster that record. Yeah. That's, that's kind of my plea. Like <laughs> I would, just, I would chip into a, like a Kickstarter, yeah, go like fund me. Go me going to get that to happen. To like pay Honestly, for them to like re-record. With how many, I feel like how many Coheed fans sort of agree with that opinion. There's probably one out there or was one out there. At one point, <laughs> yeah. So, um, but anyways, yeah. So again, not their strongest effort from a, from uh, like all around, but again, the band was kind of in a weird place and I don't necessarily attribute that situation to sort of how the music turned out. But, uh, but I don't know, basically it, it, I would love to see, you know, with, with Mick Todd going through what he was going through a new drummer, you know, you lose your bass player in the middle of touring for this record. And I don't, who knows what, you know, he, Mike Todd, Mick Todd, Michael Todd, <laughs> what he was going through during the writing of this record. I think the bass playing is very good on this record, so I'm sure it didn't attribute to anything. But anyways, rough record, but yeah. still not the worst record out there and honestly still not my least favorite Coheed record. But moving on, because we still have freaking five records to go through. Are we at like two hours? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry for how long this is, but... There's strap a in of, a lot of stuff to go through we'll try to we'll try to move it along a little bit um Afterman ascension is the next record that comes out the Afterman dual records were released like multi i think like just a few months apart one was released in like november or october or something and then the next one was released in like january february so it was like rapid fire yeah and then um, they have like the combo right too, yeah they like released the deluxe the, edition yep. um but this is with Josh Shepard back and Zach Cooper on bass. So now we have the current, now we're at the current version of Coheed. This is the first record for that. Um, Domino was the single and Afterman was the other single. There might've been another one, but those are the two that I remember. Uh, I think the hollow is very cool as an intro um, leading into Domino. I'm not as high on Domino, the destitute as a lot of people are. I really like the song. It's actually yeah. it's one of my three favorite of like of the the yeah, album. I, I, it is one of my favorites on the record, but uh, for me, this record is another one of their weaker records for me personally. Oh really? Um, I don't vibe. Uh, the Afterman's cool, but it sounds like some Modest Mouse shit. Um, not I that like I, not that too. I'm anti Modest Mouse. Let me. I, I'm, that made it sound like I don't like, but like I don't know. I it sounded like a ripoff of a Modest Mouse song a little bit. Um, the key entity extractions, the whole suite, like the first four are on this record. Um, I don't like Hollywood the Cracked. I don't like that song. Oh really? Um, that much. I to say I don't like it. It's not fair. I it's not one of my favorite Coheed songs on this record or in general. Um. Vic the Butcher and Evagri of the Faithful, I think, are the strongest of the key entity extractions on this record. And I know that's probably not a popular opinion because I know a lot of people, Domino is like their favorite song, period. Um, I don't know. I, I'm weird with like chanty stuff that's not like crowd chanted. Like the weird like uh, in Domino where it goes to the boxing thing and it's like, he's out, he's out. And it's like talking like that whole ramp up thing. I kind of like takes away from the song for me personally. I don't like stuff like that in music that much. 
Like the um, soundbite things? Yeah. yeah. So that that's honestly the only reason I, I move that any lower. It's still like a, you know, upper 50% Coheed song for me, but I don't know. Yeah. I, this one, this is like, we're getting back to like, all right, I'm, we're back on track here. Like, uh, yeah, from it, the, from the previous feel, album. And even like Domino was the, was the single. And I remember like I pre-ordered the record on iTunes because every, uh, I heard a snippet of that song and I was like, Oh, they're coming back. It's going to be, you know, and I remember laying in my bed in college at like midnight when it dropped listening to it. And I did like, while I didn't vibe with parts of it, I was still in my head. Like, this is so much better than, than you're yeah. the black rainbow. Like, I'm so happy that it sounds this way. Um, even with Afterman, I was like, I like this more than most of the things on you're the black rainbow. And then the entire record, you know, I felt like was a step in the right direction from you're the black rainbow, but I still was like, it's just not solid enough for me to feel like they're coming the whole way back. Um, so that that's how I felt about this record. That's why it's not super high on my list, but Vic, the butcher Domino, the destitute and Evagria the faithful three of the four key entity extractions for me are the strongest tracks on the record. And, uh, I still listen to them in rotation. Uh, those are in; those would be in my sort of Coheed Essentials playlist. As we said, we you know everyth- yeah. everything. Every album has at least one song that would go in there. I would you know it's it's more than just me picking my three favorite tracks on the record. I would put all three of those songs into a sort of Essentials playlist. Yeah. Um, but you know, even songs like "Goodnight Fair Lady" have a have a nice vibe. "Subtraction" almost sounds more like a Prize Fighter Inferno song, um, but it's it still really it's still n- it's still good. Yeah, yeah. This was like a good return to form for me. I, I enjoyed this, and uh, I know, like initially, I had on my list. I was like back and forth with Ascension and Descension, like putting them on like which one goes where. And initially I had Ascension higher than Descension, but I think I'm, I uh, have went with the, you the made the right choice. There. <laughs> yeah. I do. I do enjoy a lot of songs though. Like I really like Domino, the Afterman, Mothers yeah. of Men and Vic the Butcher as well. That would, Vic the Butcher would be like my, I guess like honorable mention if we're like doing yeah. three. <laughs> I feel like looking at, so we'll just switch right to Descension and we can go back to Ascension if we want to. Um, just since these were kind of released real, yeah, real close kind of like looking at looking at dissension. Whenever I heard Century the Defiant, and it wasn't it wasn't released in its real form first. It was released. Claudio had like a GoPro strapped to the end of his acoustic guitar, and he was playing it on his acoustic guitar. And it was when <laughs> I when I heard that, even even though it's not the final version, when I heard that, that was my moment where I was like, Coheed's back. Yeah. So it wasn't anything on Ascension that made me fully feel that way. I felt, okay, they're heading in the right direction. But it was when I heard him playing Sentry on his acoustic guitar, I was like, that's what I like about Coheed. And then I heard Gravity's Union. And I was like, holy shit. Yeah. I was like, that's what I want. These are these are the types of songs that I like. The, the proggier, like, longer songs with the tempo changes and the style changes and the, all the cool shit that I love about Coheed, all the stuff I loved about the Willing Wells, about the uh, the Valerium Camper Suites and like all just all the like all the Godsend conspirators like that, 2113, like all these songs that I hold in such high regard, I felt like Gravity's Union sort of scratched that itch for me. 
And yeah. I was like, finally, we're doing this again, you know? Yeah, that's the Century of the Defiant, Gravity's Union are two of my my top yeah. three. Granted, they did that in Year of the Black Rainbow in those in those finishing tracks, like the suite of song is at the end. Um, but I just that record for me just wasn't done well enough for those to like make me feel good about it. So, um, but anyways, yeah. So Gravity's Union, so good. Um, Hard Sell, also another great song on that record. Yeah, that was like, that was like my uh, like fourth like honorable mention. Like when I was putting the tracks, I kind of went through and was like, this feels like it'd be a contender on this list. And then when I got to the end, I was like, I've got like five or six on here and I had to like whittle them down. Yeah. And the hard sell was like the one that it's like, ah, I guess I got to take this one off if I'm yeah. making three. And honestly, uh, from sort of their like lovier, slower songs, like from that sort of lens, uh, two is my favorite. One might be my favorite one of the uh, love protocol. I really like too. Um, yeah. I love her. But like awesome. between those two, the you know like the hold on to me like i love that chorus so much like i that song is fantastic um dark side of me was kind of their attempt to go to write another sort of mainstream rock song in my opinion i think it had kind of that sound and appeal but it was it was still good they yeah. play, i think they played it on like jimmy fallon or something or one of those oh really yeah um but it, it's still a good song. So basically, as a collection of songs, in my opinion, Dissension holds up better for me personally than Ascension. Um, it's yeah. the better of the two. As a collective, I think it's a, ve- it's a very good body of work. The Afterman dual records, you know, that was a good sort of, not reinvention, but sort of a return to form from kind of the back-to-back records no world for tomorrow and you're the black rainbow. Not that no world for tomorrow was bad. You're the black rainbow kind of, they really fell off. I felt like those two records are kind of weaker. Um, as a collective Afterman, I think holds up better for me personally, even yeah. though, even though I would probably put Ascension below no world for tomorrow. Oh, if really? You, if you look at them separate. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, Afterman Dissension is, probably my my preferred of the two and a top five or six coheed record there's just too many good records <laughs> yeah they're ascension and dissension are like real close for me on the the list just like i mean i feel like since they came out so close together they were written close together and yeah they were probably they, i think they were written at the same time i think some and they of the just first, split it into two i think some of the first songs they wrote were actually on dissension Oh really? Yeah. Yeah. It's so it seemed like because they had similar sound and they were written in a similar time, they probably had similar inspirations and stuff. So they're very like similar in that regard. So that's why, like for me, they kind of fall, you know, neck and neck on my list. Yep. And uh, so I put them at uh, six and seven, with Descension being six and then Af- uh, Ascension being seven. Nice. Yeah, I'll read down my order after we're done. <laughs> yeah I'll, I'll reread through mine too but but uh next record because we're trying to move a little quicker i don't even know what the capacity for you know <laughs> can we post a three-hour episode anyways um <laughs> so the color before the sun this was the first record they dropped not in the concept the only record that they've dropped not in the concept yeah they've released songs that aren't concept like concept songs like that the song for arkham knight or whatever the batman game that they released 
Um, oh, I didn't even know. That's called, what the hell is that called? Wow, my brain. Um, but regardless, and then like Jesse's Girl 2, they released uh, that song with Rick Springfield, which that was a very interesting situation. Um, why can't it starts with a D? What the hell? Is, Deranged. Wow, my brain was struggling. I got there. Deranged <laughs> is the song that they released for that Batman Arkham Knight. Hmm, video I don't game. know if I've heard that one. Yeah, actually. it's pretty good, actually. Um and then yeah, Jesse's girl too. But yeah, this is the first. This is the first full record like under the Coheed and Cambria moniker uh, that was not in the concept. I think Claudio joked at one point and was like, "This is the music that they listen to." In yeah, Evan's to try and or whatever. Tie in, yeah, but um, but yeah, for me, this is a very like poppy Coheed record. This whole not the whole thing. There are some, you know, like the audience and uh, you know, there are some songs that aren't fully in that pop vein but and definitely the the majority of these songs are yeah poppy, like though. island eraser colors here to mars uh my wife and i actually walked out not like it was kind of our introduction song whenever we during our wedding whenever we came out like into you know introducing for the first time blah, 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 like yeah. into the reception hall uh here to mars was was the song that was playing when we walked out so that's kind of cool yeah um but poppy and lovey uh (laughs) i i really like that song atlas is a very cool song it's cool that he wrote a song for his for his son i mean honestly most of the vaxis storyline i think is very much rooted in you know being a parent and you know atlas is definitely got has a big presence um in in those in the songwriting for those records but it was cool to sort of have just this is for you kind of thing and i know the audience he wrote for the fan base um obviously it sounds like that would make sense uh (laughs) yeah but i mean overall it is a nice record i do enjoy some pop coheed enough to appreciate this record but (laughs) (laughs) uh as a collective it, it just doesn't have what i like about coheed which is like the sort of the front to back sort of adventure you go on when you listen to a record how songs flow into one or another you know the callbacks to other songs the themes whatever like i like the concept both not necessarily like lyrically i don't even care that much like i like how they sort of get conceptual with the songwriting in the sense of you have those callbacks and you have specific themes throughout a record and like yeah. i like that yeah. Um, and this record kind of lacks that for me, which is, I think, again, every Coheed record, in my opinion, is a great record. Um, but, you know, if, if I had to pick a least favorite, unfortunately, I think it would be this one just because it's missing those things that I like about Coheed and Cambria. Yeah, I've, that's, you know, a, I think a fair assessment of it. I personally, I do like this album. Like, it's because it's poppy it's just like i don't know it just has kind of like a feel good vibe to it and um it just kind of ends up being an album that i actually play pretty like pretty regularly i mean i guess not front to back but there are a lot of songs on here that i like listening to and like my wife really likes a lot of songs from here too so it's one that we just kind of listen to together a lot so yeah. I think that's why it ends up being a little 
higher on my list. I mean, it's still, I put it at number eight, so it's not like the top of my list, but I do very much enjoy it. I think sort of this collection of songs is probably, it's, it's probably some of their most accessible music. Um, Yeah. Like I feel like Island here to Mars, even like eraser, you got spirit kid piece to the mountain. A lot of these songs are very accessible to people who may not like, may be intimidated by the the whole concept thing or maybe intimidated by the eight minute long prog rock opera type songs, you know, that they do the willing wells and some of the new songs, uh, window of the waking mind is like that. The gutter gives you quarter, sort of that vibe off of Vaxis one. Um, so, I mean, I think this record's more easily digestible in that regard, but also, just from a music perspective, it's very accessible um, for people who may be intimidated by things like that, I think. Yeah. But again, I'm not intimidated by that. So it's not, <laughs> Yeah. so it's not, it's not super high up there for me, but I, I, again, like we said, there's always a song or two or three or however many that would sort of be in the upper echelon and piece to the mountain for me. I really enjoy, um, I love sort of the horn section type orchestra type section part of it at the end that sort of leads you out sort of the outro of the record. Yeah. I really like that. Um, like I said, here to Mars, my wife and I walked out to, you know, I wouldn't have picked that song if I was like, this record is trash, you know? Yeah. So, um, Island is a powerful track. Uh, I like you got spirit kid. You too. got spirit kid. It's fun. That's a fun. It song. is a fun song. I'll get, I'll give you that. When that was released as the single, I was like, Oh, I don't think I'm going to like this record. And I liked it more than I thought I would. I think the audience is probably the song that tickles the prog itch as much as it, this record can. Um, but I, it's not like my favorite track on the record. I actually prefer uh, Island. I prefer here to Mars. I prefer peace to the mountain. I prefer Atlas. I think that's a great song. Young love might be my least favorite. Um, but it's still not bad. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's still good music. It's just, yeah. Overall, it doesn't work for me as well as some of their other stuff. Yeah. And I get the, like, it doesn't have the concept either from like the story yeah, like, standpoint or like you said, where it doesn't have like the Easter eggs of like other songs and like callbacks that's kind of what and I, stuff. That's what I miss the most. It's not as much the concept from a lyrical perspective, because to be honest with you, especially early on, I didn't know anything about the story. I didn't yeah. know what the lyrics were about. I half the time I wasn't even listening to the lyrics. I'm not I'm not typically a person who connects more with lyrics, typically more with lyrics than with like the music. Um but I do I do like sort of the thing that a lot of people in concept records do, which is like reoccurring themes and stuff like that that sort of play into sort of the concept part of the writing. Yeah. Um typically like from a lyrical perspective, like that also factors in, but um, yeah, I don't know. I, that, that's kind of what I miss on that record. So that's, that's why it's like as low as it is for me, but um, I know some people who love it. So, and it is, it was nice to get like, maybe it was probably nice for them and sort of therapeutical therapeutic, not therapeutic, probably <laughs> therapeutic in a way um, to sort of just take a step back before like coming back in. But for me, that was like another Year of the Black Rainbow-esque situation where I was like, oh, they're falling off. And then 
I heard the single for Vaxus One, the dun, Unheavenly dun, Creatures. Dun. And when I heard the Dark Sentencer, I was like, holy shit. Are we going to have like some kind of weird, like borderline metal type record from Coheed and Cambria? Is that going to happen? Like, I feel like I probably would have felt the same way if Ladders of Supremacy was the single for Vaxus 2. Yeah. Uh, I would have been like, oh, oh this God. is going to be so crazy. I'm a proggy and heavy and amazing. Um, then the second single for Unheavenly Creatures dropped, and it was Unheavenly Creatures. And I was like, this is like a dance number. What the hell is going on here? So, um, not that I didn't like it. I just need to keep making that clear. But, uh, but yeah, when I heard Dark Sentencer for the first time, I was like, they're back. And you would watch a lot of sort of reaction videos on YouTube and stuff. I say you. I would watch. <laughs> um, and I feel like a lot of people were in the same sort of same sort of headspace about like hearing that, oh, the boys are back. They're back. And I even like... I uh I went to a contortionist show and I had VIP uh tickets or whatever and I know that Cam, the guitarist for the contortionist, um I I had read somewhere or saw an interview with him where he was like Coheed was one of his biggest inspirations and uh he one of his most inspirational records was in keeping secrets. Like that was one of the things that like he takes the most inspiration from when he's writing and all this stuff. So I actually like during the Q and A I asked uh I was like, have you heard uh, the new Coheed song? And he was like, the boys are back. Or so I think that's literally what he said during like that interview. So I just felt like that was a consensus, especially among people, you know, the contortionist is a prog metal band among people who are like prog leaning and just like heavier music leaning. That was a song that sort of sparked, you know, lit a spark again when it came to like Coheed and Cambria's music. Yeah, it. It, it is a fantastic album. Like it kind of just, it's crazy. The like echelon of albums that they've put out. And I know like the color before the sun is kind of generally regarded like lower from Coheed stuff, but just like having them come out with the Afterman stuff. And then like, you know, some people love color before the sun and some right. don't. And then going into Vaxis one. And now like, it seems generally also like Vaxis two people are pretty right. <laughs> keen yeah. on too. So it's like, just how do they keep putting out such good albums? And yeah. I mean, is... that's really like, like I said already, you know, bands that have this big of a catalog, they typically have one record, two records that I personally could be like, I could do without that record entirely. You know, I I would say the closest one in their discography for me that I would say that about would be Color Before the Sun, but I walked out to hear you. You know what I mean? So it's like, yeah. you know, like these are songs that I don't want to go away. So it's like, and with Year of the Black Rainbow, Far, World of Lines, you know, all these songs that we talked about already, but there's not one record that Coheed's put out where I was like, I you know, throw the whole thing in the garbage. Yeah. You know like none, I mean? none of them are good. Yeah. Right. They've got so. something awesome on everyone, but this is one too, that I was like, I don't know. The more recent albums was like, Oh, it's so hard to pick just like three songs. And I know it's just like an arbitrary right. like thing that I gave myself, but I was like, I got to narrow it down. I can't just list every single track off the album is yeah. <laughs> my favorites. I mean, probably. I, there are a lot on this record that there's a lot on of songs on this record that I don't really connect with. Um, Unheavenly Creatures is one of them, even though I know that's like 
a very popular track. Uh, Toys, I didn't super connect with. Black Sunday, Queen of the Dark's okay. True Ugly, I didn't super connect with. Love Protocol, I said this earlier, is one of my favorite of their like slower, lovier songs. Like, yeah, I love that song's that song. awesome. Um, it and, comes on Colleen, like whenever we're driving, like yeah. we commute into work and we'll put on her, like her daily mix. And now there's like a lot of coheed on there and love protocol always. It's like, for some reason it comes on every time we play her like daily mix. Yeah, so it's like, been a heavy rotation like, song lately. Like I just freaking love that chorus so much. Um, and I'm 90% sure. Hopefully whenever I semi sang that chorus earlier, I was still talking about love protocol and not, uh, two is my favorite one. Um, <laughs> but, uh, both of those songs are like my favorite, uh, like slower, lovier coheed songs. Um, the pavilion I know is a very like emotional song for Claudio. Cause it's talking sort of about when he thought about hanging it up, like calling it quits with music. Um, but and, and I, I, I feel that emotion when I watch the music video more than when I listen to the song. Um, but I still like it. Uh, but the gutter, I'm skipping Nighttime Walkers because that song is OK, too. But again, it's not super great. The gutter is another like top five percent Kobe song. Like, that, yeah, that song. It's an awesome you get one. like uh, you get sort of uh black parade like my chem vibes a little bit like with some of the guitar stuff and yeah then, but you get like queen vibes like i get a lot of in that song like and it's just it's proggy it's long it's got really cool like tempo changes style changes again these are things that i love in prog music and that has it um just yeah overall that song between that and Dark Sentencer is my favorite song on this record, and both of those songs deserve to be sort of in the top, uh, like five ten percent of of all Coheed tracks. Um, all on Fire is another great song. I feel like that one is kind of buried often. Um, as far as like, I feel like I don't see people talk about that song enough. Um, I see a lot of people talk about the gutter, and a lot of people talk about unheavenly creatures and old flames and you know all yeah, the old poppier songs and then like obviously the big two dark sensor in the gutter as far as like the heavy ish prog ish style songs um but all on fire i feel like doesn't get enough credit i think that's kind of the hidden gem of this record yeah that's a good track too yeah it's there are so many on this yeah. one that are just but while i hit. while i feel like i don't connect with this record like a lot i think the song, the standout songs are just so strong that it boosts the overall record quality for me in the sense, like I could, I couldn't put this record below you're the black rainbow because it has three, at least three songs on it that are better than everything on that record. Yeah. So it's like hard for me to be like, you know, everything else on this record's kind of in the middle ish for me, but uh dark sentencer, the gutter and all on fire for me are like, up there and honestly love protocol is up there too so it's it's a very yeah it's, it's not necessarily for me like overall uh you know there's 15 tracks on this record and i very much connect with like four or five and then everything else is kind of just like somewhere in the middle uh or like middle bottom honestly some of it uh because i don't really f vibe with 
the dance stuff, you know, the not the dance stuff, but like the <laughs> the popier, like the na 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 na. Like I, I, I don't really, I never really got yeah, into. I don't that, like the catchy. Yeah, but it's cool live, to be honest. Like it's cool. Like yeah, anything that involves like crowd participation and people get into, I I think it's cool live, and I always get a new perspective on songs when I see them live. Like I did not like the Deer Hunter for the longest time. I just couldn't get into their music. The only record that I vibed with was act three because it had some semi heavy ish songs. And then I saw the deer hunter live and something just clicked in my brain. And I was like, this is freaking awesome. And then all of a sudden I started liking the deer hunter. So it's weird. Like sometimes it takes that, like honestly for Vaxis two, whenever we go see them uh, here in a, what a month, less than a month. Yeah. Um, I think there are some songs that I'm hoping to hear live because I just want to see if it clicks with me. Uh, but yeah, I mean, there, there are some songs like a lot of the poppy or coheed songs that I didn't vibe with that much. Um, I kind of gained a new perspective whenever I saw those songs played live and just, cause then you start to think about like the crowd, like you think about those moments. It like takes you like to a different, like it transports you. Yeah. That's a, uh, and we'll kind of get into it in the next album here, but like the audience participation stuff is like just picturing some of the songs being played live and I can like see it being a cool song being played live and, uh, and stuff. So I like, I'm excited to see them well, like for liars, the first time. Like liars club. You feel like that's, gonna yeah. Be liars like, club. Like will like, be, I feel like comatose could be one too, where like people kind of get into, um, I could see them like cutting the mic whenever people are like fucking keep me comatose. Like, yeah. I could see like that being a thing. Um, I think it's, it would be so cool at least for like one show and it doesn't have to be the one that I'm at. Um, although I would prefer it. I think <laughs> it would be so cool if, cause I know Atlas sometimes comes on tour with them. Right. Oh, that's cool. So I think it would be really cool if even, even not on stage, like keep him in the side, like keep him on the side if he, you know, doesn't want to. And again, I'm not telling, Hey, force your kid to do this. But, <laughs> uh, I think it would be really cool if, cause he, it's his voice in Embers of Fire for Vaxis 2, which I guess, yeah, let's just switch and start talking about that. Vaxis 1, awesome record, f- like a handful of very big standout tracks. And then everything else for me is in the middle, but those standout tracks kind of, really propel it up for me. That's how I feel about that. Yeah. But, um, do you have any other final thoughts about Vaxis one? Yeah. I've kind of, kind of similarly, like there are some like beacon tracks on here that yeah. are like just insanely good. And then there are other ones that are like, like I enjoy them, but they're not like ones that are heavily yeah, rotated. It's not in an essentials code. Yeah. But for they, us or yeah. But the ones that are like are high, high up there, yeah. like the gutter and dark sensor for me are just, yeah, I love those songs. But anyways, back to Atlas. So I think it would be really <laughs> cool for this tour. Cause I think it would make sense for like embers of fire to sort of be their intro, like to the band coming out and then yeah. whether they go into beautiful losers or if they go into, um, Old flames, old flames, like either, either way. Like, I think that that sounds like the most like logical way to start the set for this coming upcoming tour. I think it would be really cool if they got Atlas to do his little vocal part where he like just sings like we all go up in like whether it's in the middle of the stage or on the side of the stage or in a balcony or in a back room. I don't give a shit. I think it would be really cool. (laughs) That would be cool if he actually did it. I just think that would be, yeah. Like to get him in like involved is like kind of like. 
Yeah, you're. It's like you're, take your kid to work rock, day. Yeah, you're a rock star now, kid. He's on a red. Yeah. He's got more songs on Spotify than we do. Yeah. So, um, I I think that would be really cool to see. That would um, be cool. But again, I don't. You know, I'm not thinking that it might happen at one show. Maybe he'll do it in like New York or something like that. Would be, close it would to be home. cool. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, you know, I know that he goes to shows. Him and him and Chandra are, are often in like balcony seats and stuff. Like I see her posting live videos and stuff, and Atlas with his little noise canceling heads headset <laughs> headphones on. And, yeah. Uh, but yeah. Shout out to Chandra, ear protection. My wife uh, works in ENT. She would be very, uh, very happy to see that that you're t- making sure to protect protect that hearing. But, uh, but yeah. So I think that would be cool. But anyways, Vaxis two. This is going to be kind of our album review here for this, and you know, it's, it kind of yeah. fits. So we might take, you know, we might go one song at a time a little bit. But I know we're freaking probably crazy of time <laughs> yeah. right now. So. Um, Embers of Fire, really cool little intro. It's a cool callback to to Old Flames. Um, it's cool that he involves uh, Atlas. Uh, leading into Beautiful Losers, I think it works really well. I like the little it does like, work almost well. like the like my chem sort of like I, I I only say my chem because they're who I think of that I know has done this before where it's almost like someone turned the volume way down and like, it's like, and then it like all of a sudden drops into the next song. Um, that kind of happens between embers of fire and beautiful losers. I think that's pretty cool. Um, and beautiful losers is honestly a pretty strong song. Yeah. It's honestly like the flow of this album. I feel like it does like a good kind of like mix of stuff and like the track placement is really good. It's pretty spot on. I agree. Um, and they do a lot of weird things on this. Re- not weird is kind of a, maybe a harsh sounding word. They do a lot of different like experimentation on this record, which Claudio warned us about. He said, yeah. this is going to test the fan base. Um, and it does to a degree, but not really with those first two tracks. Beautiful losers sounds like a Coheed song to me. Um, it, I mean, obviously it is, they're all Coheed songs, but it sounds like, you know, true to form Coheed, um, where then it drops into coma. T- honestly, back to beautiful losers because it, it gives like a pop punk vibe at times. Doesn't it? Yeah. A little bit. It, yeah. It, like it sounds like something that, I don't know. Like, I, I can't really like put my finger on yeah, like what band that like, it there was would a sound band like. In my, but... I, ha- I had a band in my head when I, my first listened through, I'm like 14 listens through this record at this point. Uh, yeah, I'm probably and, somewhere around there too. Yeah, and, uh, but yeah, I think, you know, it has like a pop punk ish vibe to it. And then it drops into comatose, which I have heard people say, Oh, this isn't, this doesn't sound like Coheed, but there are other Coheed songs in their discography that sound kind of like, you know, comatose. Yeah. I, I, I mean, to me, like, I definitely agree with the experimented more and like added a lot of that like 80s synthy sound to the album, but I don't really think anything sounds like not Coheed <sighs> to me. Like, I, I mean, they definitely like branched out and like changed stuff up, but like there's no song on here that if you played for me, I would mistake it for a different Band. That's just because of Claudio. I don't know. I, yeah. If I Claudio wasn't the vocalist, I feel like I would disagree with that. Just in the sense of like, like songs like Bad Man and um, uh, Love Murder One is, 
I don't a disappearing act is definitely another one that should be on that list. Um, those are some of their more experimental tracks on this record. The ones that sort of differentiate from most, if not all of their prior work. Yeah. Those are the ones that's like dive a little more heavy into the, like the eighties synthy yeah, like, stuff. So that I can see that argument that those ones are like, yeah, like, enough to be like oh that's not coheed but yeah, like comatose even gives me like blood red summer ish like vibes a little bit um it sounds a lot like maybe even that like jesse's girl 2 track like has some some elements from that you know some of their poppier stuff but you know shoulders gives you that sort of southern synthy rock style that you get some vibes of on no world for tomorrow. Yeah. That's what so, I was thinking too, is like that feels like a no world for tomorrow right. song. So I don't, I don't look at that song as like, Oh, they're getting way different from what they've been doing. And then a disappearing act comes on and you're like, this is different. But a lot of people, it's like their favorite track on the record from what I've been seeing. I mean, I've seen people put this, I think if I'm if I'm remembering correctly in like the entries for the for the giveaway, which we're going to announce after we're done doing this review. um, I think some people even had it in there. Maybe they didn't understand the question, but they had it in there as like their favorite Coheed song. And that would blow my mind because I don't think it's I don't think it even is the best song on this record. But uh, it's different. But it's for some reason, maybe it's just because uh, this record came out around the time Stranger Things has been out and a lot of these songs give me like, you know, in stranger things, everything's sort of that like synthy stuff. Yeah. Um, I get like journey vibes from some of the songs on this record. Like some of the choruses I feel like could have been like a journey track. Well, like, that would, that makes sense with the eighties. Right. And it's yeah. The 80, like synth rock sound like, and, yeah. and, and I don't think I would have liked it as much if I wasn't actively watching stranger things. <laughs> and, uh, like when this record came out, I was actively watching Stranger Things, and that version of the uh, of the Journey song, oh, what the hell is it? Um, the one, the the remix like version is that it they separate do. Separate ways, in... or is that the name of the song? But yeah, like that that remix version, I like get real hyped on that. That's one of my favorite Journeys. I love Journey too. My wife hates it, so I don't listen to it very much. But um, <laughs> that's like one of the biggest band. Like my dad introduced me to Journey, and. Um, so like I just kind of flash back to like my childhood listening to like Journey and the yeah. Eagles and stuff like that. But there are certain choruses on this record that really give me Journey vibes. And I for some reason I feel like a disappearing act is the is like the biggest one that reminds me of that. Um, yeah, th- I was maybe actually Love so- Murder one, maybe. Yeah, it was, it's funny because the the songs that are like the most different, I've seen a lot of people posting on like the the Facebook groups for Cody and Cambria saying that those are like their favorite tracks off yeah. of this new album. So it's like, you know, they say like, oh, we're testing the fan base. And like, I mean, they definitely did, but it seems like generally speaking, most people are yeah. are digging it. And maybe it's just like kind of that cyclical thing of like, you know, stuff comes back around again, like 80s music is becoming popular again. And, you know, maybe large in part due to uh, Stranger Things. But uh, regardless, I mean, you know, The weekend 
just doing yeah. the, the 80s sound and like there's uh, was it bad man i think yeah, is the one bad that, man is the one that i feel like gets a lot of comparisons to the weekend and yeah like the things that he was he's been doing with his music um i can see it uh but yeah i think everything sort of still stays in that coheed vein like you said i i do think if claudio wasn't the vocalist it wouldn't be as easy to know like oh that's coheed in cambria but um I like the way the record flows, honestly. And I think while, like I said, I don't think I would have necessarily enjoyed it as much if I wasn't for some reason in this weird eighties, like synth rock, like mentality from watching stranger <laughs> things that I was just like, Oh, this is like a, like some of these songs I feel like could have been on that, like on that, uh, like not score, but like on the soundtrack for, for stranger things yeah. season four. Um, that'd be pretty sick combining those. Yeah. But then, uh, so like blood is kind of like a forgettable track for me. Liars club. I, I agree. I think it'll be fun live. Yeah. But I'm uh, excited to see it. Yeah. Bad man. Like we said, very similar to like in that eighties synth wave vein. And then also in the, like the weekend vein, like I, I get those comparisons. This is a song I want to talk about for like just a hot second. Um, our love for me, I see a lot of people like, Oh, this is going to be my like first dance song and my wedding song. I feel like this song is like, if somebody, you know, in a pinch was like, I need a wedding song. It's like, here, let me slap something together for you. Like, I don't like it. I think it's like, (laughs) I would like, I would never pick this as my wedding song just because I don't know. I just, I don't think it's all that good. It's almost like, Someone like like gun to your head. I need a wedding song. Like, <laughs> I need, and it needs to be coheed ish. And like, I just I don't know. I don't. Uh, I I it was, it's honestly probably like written for Chandra maybe. But there's he has so many songs that are written for Chandra. So maybe it's not. But so hopefully it's not. I'm not trying to shit on a song that he wrote for his wife. <laughs> it, I mean it's you know it's pretty enough. There's some like cute lines you know like. Uh, but just for the most part, I just don't. I think it's like a. It's almost like the fan base has always been looking for a song to have their first dance to that didn't see wasn't secretly about like murdering your wife or like or <laughs> yeah. like you know like just stuff like you know I wake up is beautiful until it's not right and <laughs> yeah. you know two is my favorite one is is a beautiful song um but it's like a little too upbeat to be like a first dance song right so i feel like the fan base has always been looking for something like this um i don't want to say that's why it was written because i'm sure conceptually it's something important but uh yeah i don't know it's weak for me yeah for me uh like it's it's probably one of one of the weaker tracks on this album, but honestly, like I've been just playing this album from front to back through repeatedly. Yeah. I haven't skipped it, but I will in the future. That's, that's kind of like, I haven't skipped it cause I've been like trying to just fully grasp the record, but this is a song that similar to how on good Apollo one, I skip uh, always and never like yeah. this is kind of in that vein for me. Like it almost doesn't fit between bad man and then, dropping into such an epic song like yeah. ladders of supremacy oh my God, something I, something i want to say about this record uh the final three tracks ladders of supremacy rise nyanasha cut the cord and uh window of the waking mind are like 
in Willingwell territory with like ending a record. In my opinion, like these, those are like the best three closing tracks since good Apollo one. Um, and ladders of supremacy is like top. I haven't like fully like thought this through, so don't hold it. Don't hold me to this (laughs) like statement because it would, it's, it's hard for me to, but right now it's like, it's like top 10, top 15 Coheed songs ever for me. Yeah. I, I, what pissed me off, not pissed me off, but I saw somebody like refer to it as like great value domino or something like that. <laughs> and I was like, domino is already great value. Like, no, that's rude to say it's not. Um, <laughs> but compared to this song, like this song, really honestly, I would put all three of these songs ahead of domino. Yeah, Lattice of Supremacy is like, it might honestly be my top five of wow. Coheed songs. Like, it's so good. I, I like, I can't stop listening to it. I want to it. put it that high. I really do, but I still feel like it's like, okay, they haven't. I mean, the last record, Dark Sentencer and in, in the Gutter, very, very strong tracks. But I was like, it's probably just because they haven't put a song this good out in a long time. And that's probably why I'm holding it in such regard because then you look back and it's like, is it better than the Willing Well Suite? probably not is it better than in keeping secrets like the title track probably not godsend conspirator such a good song um you know there's just so many good songs yeah it's, i'd it's have to like to like you'd really actually re- look yeah. at the list to like but it's it's so good it's it's one of the best songs they've released since good apollo one and honestly like i said the last three tracks of this record the way they flow into one another um, the way window of the waking mind brings back, uh, the theme, which seems to be like sort of the overarching theme maybe of, I don't know if it's going to be the overarching theme of Vaxis, the story as a whole across the five records that we're going to get in this storyline, or maybe just of like the first two tracks, but that, uh, um, old flames sort of theme, they bring it back again at the end of uh, window of the waking mind window of the waking mind plays like a prog opera almost. Yeah, it does. Um, <laughs> It's very much, uh, it's it's a deer hunter song. That's like how I felt about it. It honestly sounds like, like a deer hunter track. Like if that was on any of the acts from the from deer hunter, I would be like, that makes sense. Like that, that's what it reminded yeah, me. Yeah, it does. It does have like a heavier deer, like kind of like yeah. the heavier tier deer hunter yeah. song, but. Yeah, overall, I mean, this record, I had very little hope, if I'm being (laughs) honest. Um, The singles didn't do much for me. Shoulders didn't do much for... uh, Shoulders was okay. Um, I I heard, the first time I heard it was Claudio did his little Twitch stream, and so he played, it was dropping at midnight, and he played it for everybody at like 11.30 or something. So I heard it like, I was like, oh, I got to hear this song. I got to hear what direction. He's, he's testing the fan base. I need to see what happens. Um, And when I heard that song, I was like, well, I'm not hearing anything very, you know, I'm not feeling tested by this track, right? Like, I, yeah, know, we've heard similar sounds in No World, like we said. Um, It almost has that like Grave Diggers and Gunslingers-ish vibe. Um, But then... Liars Club and Comatose for me, I was like, if the whole record sounds like this, I don't know how much I'm going to like it. And uh, it leaked this record and I did not listen to the leak. I wanted to so many times and I was literally like ready to click like download (laughs) and just kept talking myself out of it because I was like, I want to experience it like 
when it drops like like higher quality than the the it was like in 128 or something it was like lower quality the the oh yeah and so i i did resist um but i saw a lot of people posting and it was mixed right some people were like this is the worst shit what are they doing like but then i saw everybody like yeah it's not great but ladders though or like yeah it's not great but like the you know window of the waking mind the title track and and rise and Nasha was one of the singles as well and that had enough prog flavor in it that i was like it's not going to be a total wash yeah um so i listened to the whole record on my drive to the beach um that was the first time i listened to the, ah, that's not true the first time i listened to the record was midnight when it dropped laying in bed uh, but I obviously was very tired and didn't fully grasp it. But when I heard ladders, like my eyes were like, Oh shit. <laughs> like, yeah, like they're yeah, really doing this. Like I honestly got like, you know, some of the things they were doing, especially in that intro, um, gave me like prog metal. Like it's, it's like something I would see between the buried and me do in one of their songs, obviously not like as heavy, but like, between the Buried to me has songs where they'll shift into some different section where it's, you know, some weird shit's going on. And there's like a little bit of like, like I could have seen some of that style on like colors too. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it does feel like you could kind of get some of that between the Buried to me or like similar frog metal ish. Haken, yeah. Like, st- like things like that. Um, but yeah, the last three tracks on this record are fantastic. If I had to pick three, it would be those. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty easy. Um, if I had to add an honorable honorable mention, it would be Beautiful Losers. Um, I do like that. And the one other thing I wanted to say about this record too is I feel like with all the layers and stuff, like they, I feel like they really. This is almost like maybe some of the stuff they wanted to do on Year of the Black Rainbow with the experimentation and like the different like the different styles, the different effects, all that stuff. I know some people don't like that, but I feel like it was done well on this record where, you know, on Year of the Black Rainbow, it sort of deterred from the quality. I feel like maybe this it it almost made every song sound bigger, like like more of a production, more of a like. I don't know, like the different orchestra sounding synths and yeah. like it, it made every and like all honestly, the vocal layering, like the vocal layering really made every track feel bigger. Yeah. It's this album just as a whole felt epic. Yeah. Like it, it really plays into the whole like epic space fantasy type thing yep. that, you know, Coheed is going for. And I, that's what I think like the 80s stuff and I mean, I just enjoy the 80 synth wave sound, but it does give like lens to that like spacey sci-fi stuff. So I don't know, this album to me, like whether or not the like actual lore of the album versus like reading the, the book that accompanied the, the box and stuff, you know, whether or not it's, uh, I guess as a good of lore as like the, right. the previous stuff, it did feel like the most like getting me in there. Like, you know, I'm, I'm in here now in this sci-fi space fantasy and, (laughs) and stuff. So I think that's why I'm just enjoying it so much right now. Absolutely. Um, all right, we're gonna we're gonna put a pin in it now. I mean, we could. I it's been probably close to freaking three hours at this point. I don't even know. I feel like I've been in this room forever. Um, <laughs> 
but yeah, I mean, we love Coheed and Cambria. This new record is fantastic. Um, all of their, you know, entire discography. It's just, I mean, there's a reason why, you know, after what we said, 17 to 20 years or whatever, like we're still talking about this band, um, for us personally. And I know a lot of people feel the same way. Some people have been around since the Shibuti days and we're not quite old enough to, to fully, uh, have appreciated the Shibuti days, but, um, I do love the music from Shibuti. So, you know, it's, (laughs) it's, it's, it's definitely a band that I think since, you know, we've been around this long, uh, we're probably lifers. So, yeah. <laughs> um, but just to, just to go down my list and then you can go down your list too, just of kind of our rankings, even though we, you know, nobody asked for this, but we were just, <laughs> we were just curious to be honest. And it changes all the time for me, especially like the top two flip for me often. Yeah. Um, but my list today, and I'm actually switching one as I do this, um, <laughs> I have good Apollo one first, I have In Keeping Secrets second, second stage third. I'm going to actually put Vaxis two fourth. Oh, wow. Uh, Vaxis one fifth. Uh, Dissension sixth. No World for Tomorrow seventh. Ascension eighth. Year of the Black Rainbow ninth. And Color Before the Sun tenth. That's my ratings right now. And they will okay. change. I've, yeah. I also fought very hard between like Vaxis 2, Vaxis 1, and Dissension sort of in that middle section because they all three of those records have such strong songs. You know, Gravity's Union and uh, Hard Cell and Century for Dissension. Vaxis 2, obviously, those last three tracks. And then Vaxis 1 with the Dark Sentencer in the gutter. It's just that that was tough for me to come up with. So yeah. those three <laughs> will definitely change in the top, like my one and two in keeping secrets sometimes is one for me. So, but that's my list for right now. Mine. Uh, so I'll go from, from top to bottom, I guess. Um, number one, good Apollo. Uh, number two, keeping secrets of silent Earth. three. Number three is Vaxis two window of the waking mind. Uh, number four is second stage turbine blade. Uh, five is Vaxis one. Six is Afterman descension. Seven is Ascension. Eight is Color Before the Sun. Nine is No World for Tomorrow. And ten is You're the Black Rainbow. Nice. Yeah, our, I think after they're, we both made changes, our yeah, lists end up being a lot more close. similar than they yeah. were initially. Yeah, I honestly, I, I hold Dissension in, in pretty high regard. So like putting the two Vaxis records ahead of it... Um, because I do view Dissension as sort of Coheed's return to form before they sort of went back to color before the sun. Um, but yeah, I mean, these the two Vaxis records are really good, and it makes me happy as a Coheed fan to know that like they're still putting out really good music, yeah. um, even though some people won't necessarily agree. But if you have a song like Ladders and Rise and Window of the Waking Mind, you know, that should tickle anybody who's like a prog fan like that should tickle their itch and then obviously a plethora of pop songs yeah you know and then just like your straight line coheed songs i mean beautiful losers and shoulders to me honestly are just straight line coat and i would honestly say comatose is pretty pretty like like poppy coheed yeah like that doesn't really deter from like their norm so yeah but uh yeah anyways so 
let us know what you agree with, what you disagree with. Tell us how uh, how wrong we are, all of that stuff. That's <laughs> fine. Um, this is obviously just two guys' opinions, but uh, we absolutely love Coheed. I can't wait to see them live again for the twenty something time. For we me both for the first time. Yeah, you for the first. Honestly, I'm probably more excited to for you to witness uh, witness them live for the first time than I am to see them for the twenty something time. But we also got the the prize VIP. So, yeah, what if it's a, or no, whatever the main mage is, mage the main one. We got the I, biggest one. <laughs> yeah, I can't remember if it was prize or mage. Which ones? Yeah, yeah, I think it's mage. I think mage is the, that sounds that sounds higher. Yeah, uh, we're gonna go with mage. Um, but yeah, looking forward to that. Always cool. I think that'll be like my sixth or seventh time doing that. So try to get try to get something signed and all that fun stuff. But um, <laughs> anyways, the other thing and. For everybody who just scrolled to hear who the winner of the contest was, hi, thank you for joining us. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, we'd we'd love it if you scroll backwards a little bit and listen to some listen of to it some at least. of our some of our uh, our ramblings. But um, moment of truth, drum roll, whatever. I don't. We're not going to actually put a drum roll sound in here. Yeah, it might just be obnoxious. Um, so uh, I think we had what like almost almost 200 entries like we had a good good number of entries yeah it was definitely heavy on the instagram yeah. there were a few on the the twitter and i think i noticed some of the like the majority of the ones that we got from twitter were also people from instagram and right. so i think they just went over to twitter to like get yeah. more entries yep definitely which is fine <laughs> which is Whatever. yeah it's awesome that's I mean, what we were trying to encourage yeah uh, but uh moment of truth the winner is stephanie murray um Stephanie Murray, yeah. come on down. <laughs> um, we will reach out to you, Stephanie, on uh, Instagram in the next couple days. Uh, if you didn't, you know, just to make sure too that you know, because not necessarily everybody's going to even listen to this. But um, we'll be reaching out to the winner. But we're going to give it a couple days. I want people to sweat a little bit. Uh, <laughs> Uh, but yes, congratulations, Stephanie, uh, just for everybody who didn't win, thank you for entering and we will be doing more giveaways. Um, we're going to try to do it like maybe quarterly somewhere in there. Um, obviously yeah. you know, we are giving things away from our personal collections. So, uh, yeah, so it's, it's hard <laughs> to give them away because they have, you know, sentimental value and obviously also like monetary value right. too. So it but, is uh, from our personal collection, uh, predominantly Dan's. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, it's 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 fine though. I'm I'm happy to to you know give. I have so much Coheed stuff. Yeah. So, like, and it, you know, not every giveaway can be Coheed related either, because then that'll just get old. We're not we're not technically a Coheed podcast, although they are involved in every episode. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, so definitely, you know, it's worthwhile to stay following us, and also. Whenever you enter these contests, make sure you're following us. Because if we pull your name and you're not following us, we move on to the next one. So um, that actually did not happen in this. Although I did see some folks who, you know, liked the post and commented on the post and weren't actually following us. So for future reference, uh, make sure you're following us for the next uh, the next giveaway. I got some contortionist stuff that I might be willing to part with. Uh, I've got some deer hunter stuff that maybe although the first giveaway we did was deer hunter we might want to switch it up uh i got a delta sleep poster that i'd be willing to part with um i got like some slip mats from different bands intervals pliny 
Yeah, so, so, so yeah, make sure to tune in for, for more giveaways. I got signed CDs, signed vinyl. I got all kinds of stuff. So <laughs> you never know. You never know. So, yeah, definitely keep following us. It's worthwhile. Please check out our content. Uh, like, follow, subscribe, all of those fun things. Rate. We would love five stars, but, you know, whatever you give us is fine. We, we understand. We're not perfect. Yeah, we appreciate any any feedback and, and stuff, you know, whatever we can do to make the, the podcast better. So, you know, please, if you if you don't give us a five, let us know what we can do to, to make it better. So absolutely. And we know this is a freaking crazy long, but you guys voted for this. So, you know, technically, <laughs> you know, it, it's your fault. But, <laughs> Blame but, the uh, audience. But regardless, thank you so much for the people who actually stick it out and listen to this or listen to any parts of this, even if it's just to see if they won the free stuff. So um Thank you so much for the time. Uh, hopefully you enjoyed it, got something out of it, and uh, we'll, we'll catch you next time. Thanks.